6.45 a.m. 6.40. Bill Handel, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte is here with a tech show, tech guy with a tech show from 11 to 2. And then uh, the Pork Report, Neil Saavedra, all things food. Calls himself the well-fed host. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he actually is. And then at 6 o'clock, it's Mo Kelly, 6 to 8. Monique Marbez from 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits with the Dark Secret Place. Uh, that's everything we do on a Saturday. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., it starts with Elizabeth Espinoza. And then Jesus from 6 to 9. And then our newest show, Home with Dean Sharp, The House Whisperer, until 11 o'clock, 9 to 11. And then Leo comes back. All right. So that's what we have going over this week. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, big story, national story a couple years ago. It uh, came out of Whittier, which is here in Southern California. And it was about uh, this kid, Paul Lee. 19 years old, autistic, who was on a school bus, and it was a 96-degree day, so it was hotter than hell. He's a nonverbal teenager, and the bus driver, when parking the bus at the yard, didn't look to see if there was anybody left on the bus and just bailed out, and he left the kid to die in uh, this temperature. And what happened was, I mean, just a horrific story. So the parents filed a lawsuit against the bus agency, Pupil Transportation Cooperative, and the high school district. Uh, And just as a sidebar story, the driver went to jail for two years for uh, criminal negligence. And now the lawsuit is against the bus company because the school district was dismissed because they weren't at fault at all. So... There was a settlement. They didn't even go to the jury. There was a settlement reached, which makes a lot of sense. The part that I am looking at, my eyebrows have gone up, it's a $23.5 million settlement. Now, clearly, the agency, the bus agency, is liable, criminal negligence, on behalf of its bus driver. And he did pay for it by going to jail. And, of course, he doesn't have any money. So it's up to the bus company now to reach a settlement. $23.5 million. And we're not talking about a jury having come up with that money, which then, when there are very, very high awards like this, what happens is the defense, in cases like this, go to the judge and ask for remitter, saying that, hey, this is too high an award. And the judge, in almost all cases of settlements like this or awards like this, then bring it down probably knocking off 80%. My guess is the judge would have probably bought the, brought this down to 4 or $5 million. I don't know the judge, and I'm just talking about what I've read historically and what I've experienced and talking to lawyers and seen cases like this. $23.5 million, there's no remitter. That was, an, that was a settlement agreement. And that's the part that I'm going, huh? And it's the insurance companies, obviously, who made that call. First of all, who has a $25 million insurance policy? Well, uh, this company does, the Pupil Transportation Cooperative, which I'm assuming has a whole lot of buses, and it's a major company. It has to be. And why didn't they go to trial and agree to liability? So there, there is no issue. The emotion in terms of the criminality of the bus driver, et cetera, that's all off the table. Yes, we're negligent. Yes, it's our fault. Now let's talk damages. You think the jury would have come down with twenty three and a half million? I don't know. Anyway, 
So uh, that's just a weird one. That one we just put up and file away in, wow, there's a settlement that's uh, pretty extraordinary, to say the least. I think a lawyer made a few dollars on that one. Lawyers are, what, 30%? Yep, this guy's not going to have to work for a while. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. All right, Pat. Hello, Pat. Pat, what can I do for you? Hi, oh, hi, Bill. Yes. My son was in a car accident a while back, and my my state farm insurance has not been able to negotiate with his lawyer. They cannot come to a decision. So I got a summons in the mail two days ago, and it, and one of the questions they asked before you wait, 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 you got a summons in the mail? I mean, you've been sued? Actually, it wasn't. It wasn't in the mail. It was it was delivered to me. Okay, and it's a lawsuit that's been filed. Someone is suing you, correct? He's. He, Small claims. The, uh, okay, got it. You're a small claim suit. Okay, fair I'm enough. Sorry, yeah, the person hit that hit him. They, Why are you being sued? We're being sued now. Who is we? You're being sued as long as well as your son. I, I'm sorry, it's my car. My son was driving. Ah, okay, so you're being sued because it was your car. All right, now. Okay, so my uh, one of the questions they ask when you file the claim is, did you try to contact this person by by phone, by mail, or by any other means? And, by any, I'm sorry, I'm nervous. By any other means, and he said yes, and that's not true because we have not contacted him since today. And you and you said and you said yes, you uh, you did try to contact him. He said he tried to contact us. Okay, you're talking about the the other driver. I'm sorry, yes, the other. And he didn't try to contact you. He did not try to contact. How do you know? How do you know he didn't try? He didn't try. How do you know he didn't try? Because he has my phone. I know he may have not succeeded. Well, he has my phone number. I understand, but what if he says, "I, you know what, I had the wrong phone number. I miss, uh, you know what, I have one number off and uh, I tried. I mean, it's, see, you're, what you're doing is you're putting into his head what he tried and didn't and didn't try. Well, at the accident scene, we exchanged phone numbers. I understand, but he could have tried, in his line, could have tried. What you're saying is he did A, and you have no idea if he did or didn't. The fact that he didn't succeed, you're arguing, therefore, proves that it's a lie. Well, he had my address off. All right, well, Pat, all right, so what, what's your question, Pat? <laughs> you just kind of... <laughs> yeah, nobody cares, by the way. Blew it away. Yeah, nobody cares. At small claims court, you're going to say he lied. This is going to go fine. Now let's go on with the case. I want to try not to use that word because I want to try to, try to be. Yeah, but, but Pat, nobody cares. Do you understand? You claiming that he lied, nobody cares. Because everybody lies. They lie on forms. They lie. You're going to wait till you get in front of the judge and see how much he lies. The lies he is going to blow past the judge way are way more than what he said on the claim. Okay. All right. Enjoy yourself. Uh, Small claims court. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Julie. Hey, everybody. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer here. Two-thirds of Americans admit to having peed in the pool. The other third of Americans are liars. Let's talk about the pool you have or the pool you want this Sunday on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Juan. 
Hello, Juan. Yes. yes. I, I am here. Yes. I have a question regarding community law versus a, an agreement that was fairly agreed upon and executed upon. On a divorce. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, married for 17 years. During that time, we acquired three properties. Officially separated on June 2015 because of tax purposes, kids, school, and all that stuff. We agreed to not to file for divorce until 2016. Started executing the financial asset division on December 2015. Went to the court, filed without divorce, without lawyers, and itemized every single thing. Things took a nasty turn on April 7, 2016, and now they want to, they, meaning the ex-wife along with their lawyer, want to negate on all the agreements that we had. So which one takes precedence? California community law versus a California personal agreement? Uh, you know what? It's not, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but thanks so much for calling. Uh, hello, Wayne. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Welcome to Handle on the Law. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, basically, I'll try to right, get right to the point. Um, I inherited some money from my father and basically been taking out that money, uh, say, $5,000 increments uh, for the past year. Well, in the meantime, uh, my aunt was uh, dying. She's passed already, and I am the executor of her account um, or her estate. And so I needed to get her estate down. It was about 300000 and I needed her to get her estate down to less than 150000 So what I did was I gifted, while she was still alive, $14,000 to eight friends and basically asked if they would return the money, which they did. So I got... I, Get the estate down less than $150,000, but I also withdrew from her account, say, like 5000 a month for a while also to help get this estate amount down. Well, now my wife is very concerned that I am a money launderer. Well, you're not a money launderer. I mean, there's it's a whole different issue. Yeah, there's no money laundering. Why did you have to get the, the 300 down to $150,000? Uh, here in California, it's... I was advised that I needed to get it down to avoid probate. No, you open probate with one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. I'm missing something. I'm I'm missing something. And was there a will? Yeah. Okay. Then you have probate no matter what with one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Who told you that if you have a will and it's under one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you don't go to probate? Who said that to you? Uh, an estate lawyer. Wow. It's gotten boy. That's news to me. I don't know how you avoid probate with a will, and there's $150,000 in assets. You got me on that one. All right, so your wife's accusing you of money laundering. I don't see money laundering. If anything, uh, that would be, would it be, uh, yeah, gift tax? Yeah, gift tax. uh, Yeah, possibly, but it's it's a real stretch. It's a real stretch, Wayne. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't see any of that being a problem. Uh, and, uh, has anybody gone after you of, uh, other than your wife saying you're is accusing you of money laundering? Uh, no, just my daughter. Not now. Yeah. But I, 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 but I, what I gave, I gave, 
I actually gave my wife and told them to keep the 14. My daughter keep the 14. Okay. And now, my son keep the 14. All right. Were you authorized? Now, you're authorized uh, to write that money out, correct? And that was your that was the estate yes. of your aunt, right? Yes, who's, not an executor. All right. Who's the beneficiary? Well, my uh, sister and myself. I got... Okay, your sister. Your sister is the one that has a uh, that has a case. If anything, your sister can accuse you of depleting the account. Okay. Okay, that's the only that's- one. You can't accuse yourself. It's your money. Now you haven't gone through probate, uh, but you know, big deal. What are they going to say? Because you're the only one that is being screwed, and you screwed yourself. So uh, you know, now what? But the sister. Uh, can come back and say, hey, I'm a beneficiary. I get a third of that. Now, you can argue the third is still there. Here you go. I did that already. Oh, then I you're fine. Then you're fine. Of the full yeah. estate. Oh, you're the fine. Yeah, Wayne, estate. Wayne, you're fine. You're, you're fine. You went to the long lawyer, that's all. Tony. Hello, Tony. Welcome. Uh, hello. Sir. Yes. Uh, so my question is uh, concerning a failure to appear on a traffic violation. Yes. Um, I, uh, got a ticket, uh, got, a never paid it, and I never appeared for my, um, arraignment date in court. Okay. Um, so then they sent me a bench warrant. Yep. Saying that you didn't appear, um, come on in, we want to talk to you, basically. Right. And then I actually didn't believe it. I called up, uh, my local police department and I said, do I have a, um, arrest warrant? And they said, what's your name? And I gave them a name and. They said, yep, you do for failure to appear in right. such and such court. So um, so I want to know when I go in, what should I expect? And uh, Okay. Uh, first of all, let me start with a couple of questions. Uh, do you at all suffer from constipation? Uh, not right now, no. And you certainly but, uh, won't uh, after they uh, put you in jail and you spend a couple of days, okay? I guarantee that. Now, I don't think much is going to happen. Uh, there is a failure to appear, but you show up. The whole point is a bench warrant is to bring you into court. Okay. And that's what you're doing. So what normally happens is uh, the the bench warrant uh, disappears because you're now there. You know, a bench warrant is to arrest you, to haul you in. So uh, that I wouldn't worry about, saying I'm here. Now, the underlying ticket you're going to get nailed on pretty good because there's all kinds of penalties and crap, but uh, so be it. But just walk into court. Say, hey, I'm showing up. Because what are they going to do, okay. arrest you and put you into the court? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I already yeah. so, pay, so pay your damn tickets. Show up. You have, to, you have to show up in court. You have to be in front of a judge. I mean, that you have to do. Okay. And uh, just say, you know what, failure to appear. I forgot. Uh, my dog ate the homework. Uh, I was sick. Uh, I'm dying. Uh, Here you go. I've got this huge open bed sore. Here it is. You want to see it? I mean, just come up with something. Got it. Yeah, and pay your damn tickets, for God's sake. And if you do have constipation, then don't. How is that for advice, huh? This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom with some news. Bill Handel, entertainer, philanthropist, political analyst. Tell them I'm funny. His one-of-a-kind show has been informing the Southland for years. I mean, really funny. Bill fearlessly dives into the issues headfirst. Tell them about the thing I said the other day. It's funny. Delivering his signature combination of insight and candor. Ah, you didn't tell them. Oh, yeah. And he's only on KFI. An iHeart radio station. 
This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Welcome. Yeah, uh, give me a call. I have a question uh, for a friend of mine. She was recently purchasing a home, and her loan officer misrepresented her as far as the loan she would qualify for. Okay. Um, what happened was the deal ended up falling through, cost her about $4,500 in her her down payment. And was curious if she'd had a, had a case. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would say, I would say so. Uh, the problem is going to be, if I'm the loan officer, I'm going to say that's the information you told me. Now, from what I've gathered from her, that wasn't the scenario. She kind of embellished some areas and re- misrepresented her income. Okay, and uh, did she give him the tax returns? Did she give him all the information that then he took and misrepresented? That's to my understanding. Okay, but here, but here's the problem. She signed all the documents. Correct. If there's a misrepresentation, she signed the misrepresentation. She agreed to it. Okay. Right. That's the problem she has. So... Uh, the big answer is no, but nice talking to you. All right, Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Good morning. Um, my question is, uh, if I go to a company to do a pickup, I'm a truck driver, and the company requires me to take a picture, uh, a face picture. Uh, they also want to scan my driver's license with all my personal information. And, uh, you know, as I'm inputting this on a touch screen, they're also scanning my fingerprints. Is that legal for a company? Oh, wait a second. This a is okay. This is a company that that is what they want for you to drop stuff off, right? Uh, it's for a pickup, actually. Well, I don't know it, what that means. I don't know what that means. Well, uh, you're well, in, are you an independent truck driver? No, I work for a, for a company, uh, and I and I go and pick up uh, you know hazardous waste from different companies. But I went to a certain company where they required they wanted me to. Take a picture. Okay. Uh, have you gone? Okay. Back. Have you gone to your company and uh, found and asked why are they doing this? Now I'm I'm thinking that if you're talking about picking up hazardous uh, waste, uh, that they probably probably at least could argue, hey, we have to be a lot more careful because we're talking about some really dangerous toxic stuff. I mean, sure. uh, is it legal? I don't know if it's illegal. Uh, the point is, uh, can you walk away? Can you say no? I don't want you to have yes. my private information. Exactly. And, That's the way I felt. Right. Well, what does your company say? Well, my company just says, you know, they'll just send a different driver. But, okay. Uh, then you're you know, done. Then you're done. <laughs> then you're All finished. Right. Okay. Then there's nothing more to say. So what was that about? I'll tell you what it was about. It was a waste of time. That's what that was about. Anna. Hello, Anna. Hi. My, um, my question for you today is, my boss has an HVAC business. Has a what? HVAC, like heating and air conditioning. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay. He has an air conditioning business. Um, he went out and did an estimate for a gentleman. Um, he told him right away that he needed two units. One, um, do you want the size of the units? Do I want the size of the unit? It doesn't really matter. Okay. Well, he wanted two units, um, four ton and a three ton. It, that's what my boss told him he needed for that size of house. He, the man insisted that, no, he only wanted one, and it was going to be a five-ton unit. My boss told him, if you do that, I'll, I'll do that for you. I'll, I'll install whatever it is that you want, but I've done a lot of houses in this area. These houses do require two units to get the correct right. amount of airflow. Okay. okay. So. so now time has passed. He installed them. 
And now um, the duct testers went out and told them that it's not passing because of the airflow. They said it's not that the inspection was signed off and it was complete. The only thing is, is that it's not, it's going to be notated that it didn't pass due to airflow. Wait a second. How did it pass inspection? Because the installation is, they don't check, they don't check airflow when they, uh, they do the inspection. Um, They do, but it wasn't something that was required. But did, okay, but did they check the airflow when they did the uh, when they did the first inspection or not? Yes, they did. Okay, yes. so uh, done. Okay, everybody's finished now. So now but what? Now he's now he's refusing to pay him. All right, sue him. <laughs> sue him. Yeah. Okay, because he's sending out letters. Uh, let him send out all the letters he wants. This is what he. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, your boss put it on paper. Uh, that he said, I, I I think you're making a mistake. I don't think you should do this. Uh, this is against my advice. And then once he insisted, I'm letting you know, I'm going ahead to do this, but you're the one that wanted to. I'm assuming there is an entire uh, paper trail or email trail, right? No. He uh, did you're, a proposal, but it, uh, it says a five times. Ah, uh, Anna, you're, yeah, yeah, Anna, because it, it looks like uh, your boss just did it wrong. Because think about it. You're mm-hmm. going to say he did all this, he did all this, and they talked, et cetera. And mm-hmm. uh, the customer is going to say, no, none of that happened. I relied on Anna's boss, and he put in the wrong unit. Um, okay. Your boss is screwed. Uh, okay. All right. What a pleasure. Uh, I'm doing good. I've got a lot of uh, you're screwed. Uh, you have absolutely no case. Oh, I may have another one here. Hello, Jay. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Handel. Yes. Question. Let me paint the picture for you really quick. My stepson um, was on his way to work, just recently bought a, a Ford Taurus worth $25,000. He was waiting at a cross intersection, and cross traffic had gotten some sort of incident, crossed the line, and smashed right into him, totaling his car. Okay. What? But what happened was two weeks prior to this incident, his insurance had lapsed. Mm. So, so um, what actually? What actually? We found out that the 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 person who who crossed traffic and, and smashed right into him, who was at fault, she w- didn't have insurance because she wasn't on her mother's policy. She was actually okay. borrowing her mother's vehicle. So he got a he got a uh, a bill for eighteen thousand dollars after they sold whatever was salvageable from the car. So he has to pay eighteen thousand. Yeah, what you have is the other the other car uh, had a loan on it, and uh, what ended up happening is uh, the the people that had the loan weren't paid off. So he's going after you, assuming your son was at fault. That's the the bottom line. Uh, that's what's happening. So he can get a bill all he wants, but wait for a lawsuit. Okay, a lawsuit from from who? Uh, from the insurance company of uh, the other driver, because uh, you'll see a lawsuit from the subrogation division. That's probably where you're getting letters from. Uh, it's probably, it says, subrogation division of uh, Acme Insurance, whatever they'll name insurance, because what they did is they're the ones that uh, gave the loan to the other driver to buy the car. Uh, so your son is going to be fine. I don't think he'll have to pay the $18,000, but he's out twenty five grand. You know that, don't you? Yeah, well, he's making a three hundred fifty dollars payment. Yep, and he monthly. will. Yep, he will for the rest of his life until that car is paid off. 
That's exactly my question. So do we have any litigation towards the driver of the vehicle? Because she wasn't on the policy. Yeah, you can sue her. You can sue her individually. Sure. Okay. But uh, if uh, how much money does she have? Well, uh, probably not much. All right. So you sue. You can sue her. Yes, you can because she is liable as far as you're concerned. The insurance company of her mom uh, is going to sue you uh, or your son uh, because they're going to assume your son was at fault. So it's uh, enjoy yourself. It's uh, but he was but but see the but see what I don't understand. He was sitting at a light. Okay, but it doesn't matter. The insurance company is arguing that he was at fault. Otherwise, that's why you get the bill. It's an automatic bill. So right. uh, you call you call the insurance company and say, hey, I was sitting at a light when she hit me. Are you really going to go forward with this? I'm sure, I'll bet you they didn't even know. I don't, I'll bet you they don't even know that yet. Yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, uh, I'm I mean, willing granted, to bet. So granted, anyway, so call uh, when you get the lawsuit. Uh, you call, or you can call. When you get the letter, you call and go, hey, you know what? Uh, this is what happened. How can I be at fault? I was sitting at a light, and I got T-boned. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. What's the latest? With summer here, personal goals might wander to being physically fit. But being spiritually fit is important as well. I'll explain on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 6 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk, Bill Handle, Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, uh, Josh. Hi, Josh. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes. Uh, yes, I uh, have a uh, rental building, and there's a tenant there, and they covered up the handicapped parking spot. And this guy was driving around in a van, and uh, I guess he noticed this or tried to park there, he said, um, and wasn't able to, so he sued us. Yeah, I know. That's, uh, that typically happens. Now, who covered it up? The tenant had some uh, crates there while they were unloading some things to and the, a delivery. Or okay, something. and the sign was obscured because the tenant did that. And then some handicapped person saw that, Correct. Correct. Oh yeah, and you have to. I mean, you have to. Cho- yeah, I know. It's one of those. It's a scam. It's a scam. It's one of those scams where people that are handicapped uh, go around, and there are lawyers who do just that. Law firms, and they have plaintiffs, and usually only one, two, or three that go around. They go to fast food establishments. Actually, they go to mom and popper uh, uh, businesses, restaurants, or uh, uh, clothing stores, or whatever, and they go in and use, for example, the restroom to find out if the ramp. Uh, that is a quarter inch off the uh, the, the seriously uh, that degree that the ramp goes up is a quarter of a degree off or a couple degrees off lawsuit uh, because you're in violation of uh, the ADA. Uh, the mirror in the bathroom is half an inch taller than it should be. Uh, that's a violation, and so that's what happened. You're getting so you yeah, you you have to defend. Of course, that's exactly what they go. $35,000, $4,000 for us to go away. $3,500, $4,000. So you got a couple of choices. 
Uh, number one is you turn over to your insurance company and say, this is a scam. Now, they may just hand them $4,000 because it's going to cost less uh, to pay them than it will be to defend. Which is why it's a ma- why it's why it's a magical four thousand. Well, I think that's the maximum you can pay uh, anyway under the ADA. But anyway, that's a magical number. Uh, then here's the philosophy of uh, that four thousand. Uh, it's enough where they make good money, and it's not enough for someone to hire a lawyer because it's going to cost more money than that. So they're going right down the line. And the problem is what you have is a defensible lawsuit. Saying, I didn't even cover it up. I had a tenant that did it. I don't. I can't control that. And he temporarily put up boxes. So uh, you're screwed. I mean, this is the scam that goes on. And it's, uh, unfortunately, that's what's going on. And it's horrible. So I, I had a question. I have a family member who's a lawyer. Do you think if he sent them a letter? Oh, no, they would still go for it. If you have a letter, say, we're going to trial. Okay, let's do it. And I want to set up uh, a deposition. If he's willing to do it, they may drop it. Because the idea is not to go to trial. These people don't want to go to trial. They just want to send off the letter, maybe file the law. Whoa, maybe file the lawsuit, and uh, that's it. They get their money. All right, Annie, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Annie. My question is: Is there anything someone who is not related to a DACA student can a person in that position? Do anything to help other than moral support? No, no. You can call ICE and possibly move up the deportation a little farther up the list. That you can do. So if I was in contact with the parents... Uh, no, there's nothing you can do. Okay. All right, moral support is it. Uh, is that Cincy? Do I have that right? Yes. Okay, well, interesting name, Cincy. Yeah, yeah. There was a gentleman who died in October, and he left a will. Yes. But he didn't leave a formal one. He typed it out on his computer, and he at the beginning he said, "This letter is acting as my will, and so I can create a formal no, one." No, 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 not a will. He died without a will. Even though he has two witnesses, it doesn't matter. He didn't. Uh, well, did he write it as a will? Then he did. He, wait a sec. He typed it up. Two witnesses signed it. He signed it. Right. Yes. I think it's a will. Why not? Why wouldn't that be a will? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a will, and you just open the probate with that document. Okay. Yeah, is, is, it, is it dated? Yes, it's oh, dated. You're fine, and he signed it. And he signed oh, it. Oh, and you and got two people, and two people angel. signed it as witnesses. And two people All right, signed it. All right, you, you have a will on your hands. Okay. It okay. doesn't have to be notarized. No, no, wills don't have to be notarized. And even if you're not a kinfolk. Doesn't matter. You can leave the money to wherever he wants. That's okay. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, that's good. I assume she's a beneficiary. He's going to get some money. That would be good. God, if I had known she was going to get some money, I'd say that's not a will just to ruin her life for the day, especially if it was substantial money. Boy, that would be great. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Bye, AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Hour number two of Handel on the Law. Right up until 11 o'clock. Uh, Leo Laporte, 11 to 2. Uh, then Neil Saavedra, the Fork Report. And uh, the Fork Report is going to have some people in. Very unusual today. Some restaurateurs are coming in. And some people who bid on a charity are coming in. Uh, Mo Kelly tonight from 6 to 8. Uh, he will not be feeding anybody, although he's got a hell of an interview 
uh, coming in at 6.15. Uh, what a get. Uh, Mike Dubke, uh, the communications director for the Trump administration, administration, no longer, he just left, is going to be with Mo at 6.15. You don't want to miss that. And then Monique Marvez from 8 to 10. Brian Suits tonight from uh, from uh, 10 to midnight. And he'll uh, be telling uh, Mo how to blow up the studio while uh, Mike Dubke is there. I don't think so. All right, phone numbers. Uh, phone number 800-5201-KFI. 520-1534. That's 5201-KFI-1534. All right. Uh, we start with uh, a bestiality story. And this is Handle on the Law. We start with a bestiality story. Uh, we have a, a general, not a general, specific rule here. If there is someone who criminally has sex with an animal, even not criminally. I don't care. It's too great a story because I love talking about perverts, especially when it comes to perverts uh, doing it with animals. So this is out of South Africa. So, uh, okay, it's your normal farmer caught having sex with a donkey story. I know you get a little tired of those. We do too many of those, but there is a spin here. So, Uh, He is caught assaulting the donkey by its owner, who is horrified. And uh, so here's what the owner did. Uh, He reported the sex attack to the village elders. This is uh, in a tribal area of South Africa. So uh, he reported the sex attack to the village elders and claimed it was not the first time uh, the man and the word being used is interfered with the donkey. I don't know how the hell you say that in Zulu or Swahili or whatever language is going on here or one of the dozens of other uh, languages that they have in Africa. So he interfered with the donkey. All right. So far, I get it. Now, the uh, the donkey's owner, this is when it really spins. The donkey's owner uh, is demanding that the farmer take the donkey as a wife. Really? Come on. No, no. Uh, Uh, He said, when I went to him, he said he was sorry, but I'm not uh, satisfied. It was not the first time that he did this. And the farmer refused to appear before the elders, thinking that in order to marry a donkey uh, is not particularly legally binding. Although we don't know that in the tribal areas. Uh, The secretary of the Shigalo Tribal Authority Council, see, if I knew uh, those tribes as well as I should, I would know the language they speak. Uh, Tonsum Intamu, Intlamu, secretary of the council, said uh, it was investigating. And he said, we summon the man and he will appear to answer charges against him. The fun one is, will he be forced to marry the donkey? Does the law uh, amongst uh, the Shigalu uh, tribe allow for the marrying of a donkey? Do they have to prove the donkey is a mature, consenting adult donkey? Because I'm sure there are laws against marrying a minor donkey. It's an issue of consent. Do I love these stories or what, huh? All right, let's go ahead and uh, take uh, a phone call or two. All right, we start with uh, Mark. Hello, Mark. Uh, Welcome to Handle on the Law. 
Hi, hi, Bill. This is regarding a, a life estate. My, my best friend is a beneficiary of a life estate from her father. Okay, the, hold on, hold on one minute. I think we have to explain what a life estate is uh, so people know where we're going. A life estate is uh, a property is transferred to someone, but someone else gets to stay in the property for his or her lifetime, and then the property, the new property owner can move in or sell it. While that life estate, is that what you call them, the life estate? While the person who's holding a life estate is uh, alive, uh, nothing can be sold, and uh, that person stays in the house. Okay, so with that in mind, let's move forward. Okay, my my best friend is the beneficiary of a life estate from her father who died 10 years ago. It's in a family trust, and her granddaughter wants to terminate the life trust. But according to the life estate, the my friend get, will pass it on to her grandkids when she dies. She is in her 60s and in very good health. Can the granddaughter... Well, first of all, well, first of all, your friend cannot pass on the life estate to the granddaughter. No, the house will go to that. To okay, the house after the life estate after she dies, it goes to the person who specified in the trust. Correct. Yes. Okay. Which is her her granddaughter and grandson. Okay, and someone and the daughter wants to change it out. No, the granddaughter wants to. Okay, I don't care Before who wants the to. The grandmother dies. All right, we can't do that. Can't do that unless. Uh, no, I don't think you can, uh, because uh, at that point, the trust kicks in. Th- I don't think that she can do that. Uh, life estate is a life estate. Okay. Yeah, she's going to be fine. Yeah, she's there forever. Uh, there's a great story about a life estate uh, in uh, out of France, and it's one of those classic, classic stories where a woman sells an apartment, and she's no youngster either. I think she was in her 80s. She sells an apartment to a man who gives her a life estate. The deal was uh, she could stay in it as long as she was alive. She's in her 80s. How long could she last? Till 116. The man who bought the apartment long died before she did. Is that tremendous or what? Got to be a little careful with these life estates business, especially when you're buying under these contracts or selling. So she buys the apartment uh, and uh, she is, uh, well, there you go. I think Hugh Hefner did much the same thing with the uh, uh, with uh, the uh, Playboy Mansion. I think he did that where he gets to stay. I think that was a deal that was cut. George. Hi, George. Oh, hi. Hi, uh, Bill. This is uh, uh, George. Uh, your oh, yeah. Good brother. old George. Yeah, okay, George. What's up? Uh, hey, look, uh, I uh, uh, moved out here to Paris, California, to help a lady that was in trouble with her homeless veterans uh, facility. And I got out here, and I got conned, Bill. What it amounts to, I'm the only veteran she have here. She conned me to come here and legitimize her operation. Okay. Now she wants me to do yard work. Had me out doing yard work. All right, hold on a second. She wants you to do yard work, and yeah. uh, and but you are paying the rent. I'm paying rent. Yes. Okay, and 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 that's pursuant to a lease of some kind. I don't have a written 
agreement. Well, that doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, you're okay. I was just uh, curious. Uh, how about just saying no? And no. the fact that she is that you are the only vet and it's fraud. I don't know what the rules are. If uh, one vet lives there, does that comply with the law? And I don't know the answer to that. But what you can do is contact the Veterans Administration if you want to really nail her. Okay. Okay? That's all you have to do. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure it's not just one vet. If you have a facility that's been licensed for uh, the vets, and uh, I'm assuming under the Veterans, Veterans Administration, and there's some kind of break or tax break or whatever, uh, yeah, you have to have more than one vet for sure. Uh, this is Handle on the Law. And uh, Julie Slater. There you are in the KFI. Well, actually, it's a news closet. We call it a newsroom, yes. but who are we kidding? That's correct. It's what, very small in here. Yeah, what's going on? Coming up today on the Fork Report, our buddy, author, and Food Network judge Simon Majumdar joins us. We'll talk seafood with the folks from Hook and Spear and why coconut oil ain't so great. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. So when I say what a day. AM 640. Phone number 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. And welcome back. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Andy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. All right, Bill. First, I'll start off by saying I suffer from epilepsy. Okay. This is because of a bike accident when I was 10 years old. Ooh, how old are you now? 50. Oh, so you've been uh, suffering for 40 years from epilepsy. When I was younger, I didn't even know. I have a plate in my head. They had to remove blood clots. Mm. All right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for the last 30 years after that, I was fine. But then I had started seizing. And I went to the neurology, a neurologist, and I still do today. And um, when you get older, your brain shrinks, and it's kind of like a short circuit. Oh. It happens It happens quite often. Mm, yeah, people have said that about me. I, I get that. Well, anyhow, this happened at a big concert I went to in the city of Pasadena. And um, what happens is I start seeing double vision. I start staggering. And un- I can't walk. I'm very, it looks like I'm drunk. And I tell that to my neurologist quite often, and he keeps upgrading my prescriptions. Anyways, this happened at the concert. I was standing, staggering, drooling, and people around me, this is what my son was telling me. I don't even know what happened. My son tells me that the people around me were telling me to sit down and shut up. And I wouldn't listen, and I was just doing this. And apparently security was called, and they were telling me to sit down. All right, we have to make this is going this is going way too uh, way too slow. So let's bottom line it. The bottom line is they literally drugged me. They had to. I mean, they dragged you. Okay. I wouldn't listen. Okay. So what happened to you? They dragged. Where do they put you? In the drunk tank. Oh, I mean, they arrested you. Is there a drunk tank at the facility? No, they took me to the. The police department. Okay, were you arrested? Yes. All right, and you ended up in the, the drunk tank, and you were arrested for what? Public intoxication? Public intoxication. All right, and, so now what? And 
resisting. Oh, all right. So because now, I wouldn't listen. I got it. So now, thing. now what? What are you looking at? I got. A, I was released about five hours later, and on this certificate of release, it says the person arrested was arrested for intoxication only, and no further proceedings are desirable. All right. So they dropped the cha- they dropped the charges. However, two weeks later. I get a letter in the mail from the deputy city prosecutor telling me that a complaint has been filed. All right, you show up. You call him up and you show up. So a complaint has been filed. Have you given a have you been given a date yes. to show up? Yes. You walk in with a, the the proof that uh, you have epilepsy and you say I had a seizure. That's what I plan on doing. Yeah, that's it. So your question is what if they want to set a court date for uh, a trial? You plead not guilty, and they won't set a court date. Once you come in with the proof, uh, I'm medical. Gonna take, I'm going to take all my letters. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, that's what I'm you do. Take my next yeah, I get it. That's what you do. And that's all you have to do, Andy. And um, I keep on getting these letters. All right, don't worry about lawyers. it. Once you go, no, once you I go and have a meeting with the prosecutor. Why, no, you don't need a lawyer. Once you, because if they're going to go forward, you plead not guilty, and then you worry about a lawyer. They're going to drop the case, Andy. I would imagine so. Yeah, not, don't worry about it. They're going to drop the case. Here's my question: There you are, staggering in a seizure, and you didn't win the dance contest. I, apparently, I didn't. I wow! Had to call the police to yeah. remove me. Jeez, I would have. I would given you first place. You know, staggering around and moving and seizure and all that. Yeah, yeah, I would have absolutely. I said, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Sid. Um, I have a question. My question is, I have a three-year-old Lexus, and I brought it into the dealership to get an appraisal of what the car was worth so I could buy another one. They looked it up on CarMax and said that my car was in a car accident, which it wasn't. The manager took the car, put it up on the rack, checked it out, and said, no, it was not on a, in a car accident. My question is, how do I get it off of CarMax? You, con- you contact the people at CarMax, or Carfax, whichever one it is. You contact them, and maybe a, a letter from uh, the dealership saying this car has not been in a car accident. And then you ask the folks at uh, Carfax, where did you get the information? You just call them and have a conversation with them. All right, and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. Simple. Someone reported, and I don't know how it uh, was reported that you had that that car has been in a car accident, but something slipped through the cracks. Clearly, it's uh, some kind of a clerical uh, error, or someone really hates you, and there's a conspiracy against you, which I'm guessing initially there isn't, or maybe there is. Who knows? This is handle on the law. Julie Slater, some news, young lady. The family. Well, not so young. What's up? Hey, hey, yeah, hey, but- hey, hey. That was a nice. Bill Handel. The Republicans are saying we're going to save a pile of money. This is going to make a lot more sense. Obamacare is a disaster, but we're going to have more for less. He'll always be frank. The Democrats say we do better for more money. At least they're honest about it. But he'll always be Bill. At least they say, here's what we're going to give you, and we're going to tax the hell out of you to get there. Bill Handel. That's honest. Mornings from 6 to 10, only on KFI. And iHeart Radio Station. Because there's nothing. Like your love to get me high. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. Uh, we have a few lines open. Doesn't happen all that often, but please feel free. If you want to jump in and uh, ask some advice, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. 
Obviously, you can call for the uh, car. If you don't have hands-free, just go ahead and pick up the uh, the cell phone. And when you get stopped uh, for texting or talking uh, while driving, just say you're listening to this show and you're calling me. And uh, the cop will let you off. There is a legal ex- uh, exemption. If you're listening to Handle on the Law, they cannot legally tag you for uh, speaking uh, on your cell without hands-free. Just want to let you know that. You know, someone is going to call me in, in, in the middle of getting a ticket. You know that's going to happen. Uh, yes. All right. Uh, Lydia, the tattooed lady. Hello, Lydia. Oh, welcome back to Handle on the Law. Lydia. Yes, Lydia. Or is Lydia not around? Have we this lost? This is Lydia. Ah, there you It's Maria. I'm sorry. It says Lydia up there. All right. My mistake. All right, Maria. Okay, uh, regarding the property, the, I opened escrow on January 14, 2016. Uh, three months after, I'm asking the realtor what's going on. And he said, though, it's working well. So um, the problem, as he says, the property has two loans, went to different banks, but it'll come out in our favor. So months after, I keep on asking what's going on. He said, everything is okay. Finally, February this year, I said, you know what? I think I want my money back. It's taking too long. And then he said, let's be a little patient. So because the property will come in our All right. So you haven't, all right. You have not closed escrow yet, correct? No. All right. Hold on. Just this month, he came out to me. The property is being sold. Well, not if you're, no, not if they've already accepted your offer and you're in escrow, they're not going to sell it. Right. They can't do, they can't do that. So exactly. uh, you can throw a, a, a list pendants on it, uh, which means you can stop it. You can throw a, uh, a claim that to- uh, totally colors title, which uh, no no title company on this planet will give title insurance. And no, therefore, no lender is going to loan money. The only way they can sell the property is for someone to walk in with a check, buy the property, yeah. excuse me. Buy the property, and even then there's going to be some issues. So uh, so they can't sell it. You're in escrow. You've been in escrow for how long? How many months? Um, it's already it's in January. All right, well, how many months? How many months? How many months? It's I don't count. like uh, 19 months. 19 months. Uh, why haven't you bailed out of escrow? Why haven't you just said, I'm done? I'm asking the realtor, give me my money back. Can it's I not the realtor. It's not the realtor. You ask the escrow company. Okay. Yeah, your realtor is a horrible realtor by not yes, making that arrangement. But the realtor wants the commission. So, uh, and it's probably one of the, it's, it sounds like a realtor who's just in it for the money. You contact the escrow, you contact the escrow company. Escrow is not closed in 19 months. The seller has breached the agreement. I want my money back. And then you let the seller know you're out and you do uh, all that. And you could probably sue uh, and uh, for specific performance, but that, that's if you're only desperate to buy that house. I wouldn't. There are too Where many. Do I go to sue? Uh, you would sue the seller of the property. That's the only. Right. That's the breach. All right. There you go. Easy enough. Uh, Karee. Hi, Karee. Yes, Karee, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Can yes, you hear me? yes, I can. What can I do for you? Um, so uh, okay, this is terrible. You're on a hold on. You're on a cell phone. Yeah, I'm on a cell. Yeah, phone. it's coming yeah. in and out. All right, that sounds better. Go ahead okay. again. So, so, so 
So while driving in a car with a friend, I was a passenger, um, we were pulled over. The driver had expired plates. Once we were pulled over, the officer came to the driver's side of the car. He immediately pulled up the driver, had him sit in the back of the police car, checked his information. He came over to me, um, asked me what I was doing, um, and then immediately pulled me out of the car and in handcuffs and in the back of the police car. So my question for you is, is that legal no, anyway? No, it's not. Uh, however, uh, you're going to argue that uh, he it was a false arrest, but he's going to say you resisted arrest, that he told oh. you to do something and you didn't do it. Oh, no, no. I, I, I did. I complied. He's yeah, going again. to say you didn't comply. Well, because no, if he so, said you did comply, then he's laid himself open for false arrest if he just arbitrarily pulled you out of the car for no reason. So so the thing is, we didn't get arrested, and, and I know better than to talk back. Right. And he, okay, response. good for you. But yeah. even pulling you out, uh, you were detained, and it's still considered an arrest. If you are detained, okay. if you're thrown in handcuffs, can't, uh, handcuffs and thrown against uh, the hood of the car, they still have to have probable cause to do that. And they okay. didn't. So I'm hoping there's a dash cam. But the quick answer to your question is no. They are not allowed to do that. That is illegal. And, and my my follow-up question, last question, I know you have a lot of shit to get to. Um, my follow-up question is, in the future, if something like this were to happen, is there anything that I could say um, I wouldn't. that would... No, no. no? If, you're, if a cop's going to... No, if a cop is going to do that, you just comply. And then you deal with it later. You don't start poking your, uh, poking your finger go, hey, buddy, I pay your salary. You don't want to do that. Obviously, you have a cop who is already inclined uh, to do something illegal, and you've got a cop with a burr up his rear end that wants to hassle you, harass you, especially for no uh, probable cause. Good for you for complying completely and not raising a fuss, and you have to do the same thing if it ever happens to you again. And occasionally... It uh, it does happen. All right, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi there, Bill. Yes, sir. Hello. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, I have a question. A few years ago, I was convicted of a misdemeanor DUI, and then I filled out a certificate uh, to get it uh, by the discretion of the court and the interest of justice. It was uh, the case was dismissed, and the not guilty plea was um, inserted. Now. More recently, I applied for a state license in a professional category, and I was curious to know if this uh, previous de- misdemeanor... Yeah, but hang on. Yeah, been... you're, you're confusing me a little bit. Okay. They dismiss the case? Yeah. And then and then you said, what is it, the plea that they inserted instead? Um, not guilty. All right, and then they dismissed it? Yes. Okay, you're fine. You have a case that's been dismissed. Okay. That's so it. You're, no... Yeah, no, no. You, if I get arrested... And the case is dismissed. That means nothing. It's just an accusation. Okay. Yeah. No. You're. You're. It's going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. You are going to uh, be able to get your uh, license. It depends on what, too. Uh, for example, your medical license. If you're in front of the medical board, I suggest you go to medical school. Uh, yeah. Same thing with uh, maybe a, a law license. All right. Let's take a break, and we'll be back in uh, just a moment. Uh, okay. Oh, before we do, uh, let me do this. Uh, let me talk about, uh, and we're going to get a call over the next couple of hours. I guarantee you, I, this happens every single show, and I get a call about identity theft uh, because 
Stealing uh, identity is uh, the fastest growing crime in America. And there isn't, once it's happened, you're in a world of hurt. So what you want to do is make sure it doesn't happen. You want to deal with it prophylactically in advance. And that's why I have uh, LifeLock that protects me and my entire family. And here's what LifeLock does. It monitors what's going on. Let's say a credit app is uh, taken out in your name. I took out a new, I opened a bank account last week. Boom. Immediately, I had a phone call telling me, okay, someone's opened a bank account. And I said, yep, that's me. So they monitor, they alert, they'll tell me, and they do. And if someone, in fact, does grab my credit and starts doing horrible things with it, my identity is compromised, for example, uh, they'll work to fix the problem. They actually have a team of experts that work to fix the problem, and that's what's unique uh, about LifeLock. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction in every business. But in my opinion, LifeLock is the best out there at uncovering the threats that you will miss and might miss, which is why I've been a customer for so long. Go to LifeLock.com. Use a promo code HANDLE for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Uh, That's promo code HANDLE for 10% off your uh, your uh, Ultimate Plus membership, or you can call 800-LIFELOCK, 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law. All right, let's check in with uh, Julie Slater with some news. Hey, everybody, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer here. Two-thirds of Americans admit to having peed in the pool. The other third of Americans are liars. Let's talk about the pool you have or the pool you want this Sunday on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. Mr. KFI. AM 640 on a Saturday morning. Welcome back. Bill Handel here with Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Cat. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Thank you. I have a small pet-sitting, family-owned pet-sitting business that is just family-run right now. And I need to start, it's growing really fast, and I need to start either doing independent contractors or employees. I keep hearing in Southern California that if I, or if I have independent contractors, that they're considered I have to treat them like employees, and they're considered employees. Yep. Um, it, de- uh, it, it depends. So, so you want to know the difference, which way to go, right? Yeah. Okay. Whenever you can uh, have independent contractors and can issue a 1099 at the end of the year, you want to do that, Kat, because uh, independent contractors are, oh, it's so much cheaper to have them than it is dealing right. with the IRS. Now, let's look at the rules of independent contractors. And just let me throw you some questions. Uh, are you yeah. going to be hiring? You're not going to. Are you going to be hiring people to work an eight hour, or twelve, or a ten hour day? No. No. It'll be independent. It'll be independent people who are going to sit whenever you have work. Exactly. Can they say no at any time? Yes. And uh, the hours are going to be intermittent. Yes. And they can have other jobs. Correct. You're. It's an independent contractor. I think you qualify. So- but but my understanding is is that I can't tell them how to because they're independent contractors. I can't tell them with my clients. They're my clients. Sure. How to to treat how to sure. take care of their Of course you can. Of course you can. I can. Sure. You set the okay. rules. Saying if you want to work for me, these are the rules. 
You have to feed okay. you have to feed the dogs or the pets the uh, the way I prescribe. This is what you do. They have to be walked uh, a mile. You can't kill them, for example. Uh, sure, you can set up all kinds of rules. You're fine. You're fine as an okay. independent contractor. All right, take care. Uh, the rules of if you look at the rules of independent contractor and California, of course, is way over the top uh, when it comes to uh, controlling employment. California is crazy, actually. And there are like 12, 14 different rules. And it has to do with uh, and that's why I asked her if you control the hours, if they work at your establishment, uh, if uh, you have complete control over uh, what they're about uh, and they don't do or can't do other jobs. It's uh, and uh, as I said, in the hours uh, from eight to eight to eight or eight to four, that kind of thing. The more of those that kick in, the more their uh, employees. But in this case, yeah, yeah, this fits right in with uh, independent contractors. All right, Diana. Hello, Diana. Welcome. Thank you. Um, my grandmother passed away about five years ago. Hmm. How old was she? Uh, 85. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah, sort of, you know, today it's not old and it's not young because people, uh, <laughs> old is well into the nineties. Right. Yeah. Right, my, yeah. my mother is old. She's uh 94. Uh, my father is really old cause he died 10 years ago. Uh, that's seriously <laughs> old. All right, Diana. So your uh, grandmother dies at, uh, 85. Right. All right. And, and she left a GST. For the grandkids, because she had a substantial amount of an inheritance. Yeah, uh, what, Generation Skipping Trust. Okay. Right, yeah. And it was an irrevocable Generation Skipping Trust. And my mother has taken 300000 out of it. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. And, that's not good. And, was she a trustee? I assume she was the trustee, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah, yeah she stole the money. Really? Yeah. Yeah, if it's going to the next generation, if it skips her, and she's just mm-hmm. there to be a trustee of the money, can't take money. It's not hers. <laughs> That's what I, I, I mean, if that. I took she... the money, I'd go to jail. Now, uh, the only issue is, will the district attorney file charges? Eh, mm-hmm. Probably not. Uh, so you get to file a lawsuit. Uh, does uh, your mother have the ability to pay back three hundred thousand um, dollars? She says she does, but and she. Actually, I know she has about five hundred thousand. File, file the but, lawsuit. Okay. Get yourself a trust and estate lawyer and file the lawsuit. She stole the money, Diana. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah lovely. Was, good. Good. Good choice in mothers, I might add, Diana. <laughs> yeah, she ran off with uh, my grandmother's caregiver. So. Oh, that's yeah. even better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great. So not only is she a thief, she's also a slut, right? Good for her. This is handle on the law. KFI AM 640 on a Saturday morning. Uh, handle here right up until 11 o'clock. Always the top of the hour. Best time to call. And it is the top of the hour. So call 800-520-1KFI. That's 800-520-1534. If you have a question or two, usually one. And I will give you uh, the kind of advice that uh, I am world famous for. Which is right rarely. But, hey, what the hell? I'm a radio lawyer. 
Well, you're going to pay attention to a radio lawyer? That's like a, a radio doctor. And what do you do? Do you, uh, you take the receiver or your cell phone and point it, put it on your arm because you have some kind of a problem? Well, that's the same thing that happens here. Radio lawyer. 800-52. Matter of fact, we should call this show Radio Lawyer instead of Handle on the Law. Yeah. You know what? How long has this been going on? Decades now, Handle on the Law. Radio Lawyer. Radio Lawyer Show. Probably not. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. This is... Radio, no, this is Handle on the Law. See, we keep on wanting to change the name. Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I, Bill Handle, tell you, insert name here, uh, that you have absolutely no case. All right. Now, I, whenever I do a, uh, a case, a criminal case involving uh, sex, uh, it's usually on a level that is almost incomprehensible. Like the story I gave you uh, about uh, the man in South Africa who... Uh, uh, had uh, sexual relations uh, with a donkey, and uh, the tribal uh, leaders uh, decided that he has to marry the donkey. Actually, it was the complainant decided, and now the tribal leaders have to uh, decide yes or uh, yes or no on that marrying business. So here's one out of Illinois. Uh, this is Springfield. Okay, an, 80, an 88-year-old man uh, accused of a woman stealing his wallet after she performs a sex act upon him, oral sex specifically. So uh, he picks up a woman uh, about 9.30 in the morning, because I'm sure he wakes up a little later. Uh, she performs uh, the uh, sex act, uh, the, effort, the the mentioned sex act, and then she uh, drops her off uh, at another area a couple miles down, and then later discovers his wallet was missing. So, I mean, 88, that's, uh, that's not bad. Okay, so he realizes his wallet is missing. He calls his bank. Uh, which told him, oh, yeah, several transactions had, in fact, taken place. Now, we're talking over a course of minutes. Uh, They were made at local stores, actually, over the course of a couple of hours, made at local stores, and uh, uh, the man never made it. So he discovers it two hours later. During those two hours, a drive-through, a grocery store, I mean, that card is just like crazy. And uh, so a witness told the police that she saw the woman get out of the car, and later actually saw her going through a wallet. So uh, he starts to describing her, uh, speaks with a victim who says uh, that uh, the woman, and he tries to, uh, I, enough description to identify her, and they're eh, sort of generic. Oh, yeah, she had one eye. So you're looking for a one-eyed woman, a hooker. Okay, makes it easier, doesn't it? Sure, why not? Okay, enough of that. And there's you have to have a spin. Always have to have a spin, don't we? Uh, let's uh, do it. Phone call. Eric, hello, Eric. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, got, an, got an employment law question with regards to the uh, impact of uh, cell phones in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically for those of us who are hourly employees, non-exempt employees, it's really become quite an abusive situation with employers trying to contact us when we're not on the clock, when we're not working. Uh, It even goes 
significantly abusive when they they don't even provide the cell phone for uh, that they're contacting us on. They're expecting to be able to contact us and provide work on our own personal cell phones. So I wanted to ask if there's uh, laws in place or decisions in place or if we're starting to see a movement towards an ability for non-exempt hourly employees to be able to um, claim time. Sure, I think you can. I think you can. And uh, I don't know if the courts have dealt with this yet or uh, the Labor Board, Department of Industrial Relations in California, which uh, controls uh, uh, wages uh, and enforcement of wages. Uh, If they force you to, if they're calling you after hours, effectively you're working. I mean, it's that simple. You're working and you can make a claim for uh, that amount of time. If they call you in one hour, I think you get paid for an hour. And if it's after eight hours, it's time and a half for that hour. Well, um, and what I wanted to ask is I, employers in this circumstance are going to try and claim as little time as possible. Of course they are. Of course they're going to fight it. And then I they have to deal. And then they have to deal. Uh, when you make a complaint to the labor board, they have to deal with it. And you know how often employers win at the labor board? Tell me. Never. Oh, that's good news. It always swims towards uh, the employee. So that's what Great. you want to do. You want to say, I want to uh, get paid for it. Uh, you submit a bill. Uh, it's not so much a bill. Uh, you submit a document saying uh, that, I guess it is kind of a bill, where you've submitted a document saying, I was, uh, you forced me to uh, have my phone available. And they're going to argue, well, it was not very important, and it was not all we were telling you of what's going on. It was just a 30-second phone call just to let you know what's happening tomorrow. Whatever they're going to say. And they're, you're going to say, oh, no, that's not true. Uh, they're actually asking me about work, what I have done, uh, talking over a period of three, four, ten minutes, whatever it is, although it never is. And it's uh, it's effectively I'm at work. And then you go up and uh, the labor board and they probably rule against the employer and you get fired. And that's the the, the, uh, resolution that I want. Yeah, well, and then you're going to do it. Then you're going to get fired. And they're going to try to argue for cause. You're going to argue no. Uh, Again, you then go to uh, the, uh, they your file for unemployment. You go to the employment, uh, you're going in front of a a panel or uh, a a judge or a decision by the the agency that handles that. Uh, What agency handles the employment? Uh, Whatever it is. And uh, you will win because employees always win. And it just goes on and on. But the bottom line is my my guess is you're going to have to file against them. You will win. And when they fire you, you're going to have to file against them again. Sounds like you have some experience at this, maybe with your employees. Uh, well, once or twice. Uh, not after hours. That we don't do. But sure, I've had employees. I've fired employees. And they've gone. They've And I fired them for cause. And they've gone, and I they've gone to the labor board, uh, and I have fought it, and I've always lost, even when it was clear that they were fired for cause. So now we don't even argue. We don't even argue. They file for unemployment. We just ignore it, or we just say, "Sure, why not? Collect unemployment." Yep. But uh, that's what happens. Uh, here we go. Uh, Sandra, oh, you got an interesting one. Uh, no, you know what? Let's uh, talk to Jim. Jim, hello. Yes, hi, Bill. I've got a question on uh, trust. Yes, of course uh, you do. I have a will, but uh, my daughters want me to do a trust, and 
I know it costs more. That's not the problem. I just don't understand. I know there's a living trust and there's irrevocable. Yeah, trust. that's okay. Uh, first of all, what do you what do you want to leave to your daughters? Uh, they house. Just the house. Property. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, that is uh, probably you can put the house in the trust. They're the beneficiaries and they get the house. They just file uh, the affidavit that you're dead and the house transfers uh, to them or the trustee then transfers the property to uh, the beneficiaries. So in your case, probably a trust is the best. Just throw the house into the trust. Okay. Now, the the, um, uh, uh, stocks and and money like that. Same thing. You can do the same thing. That would be in the trust. Yep. Throw everything everything you own. I I don't – the will – I only do the will for stuff that you can't put in the trust, personal property, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't think you really need a will. At least I, I'm not a big fan of a will. I have wills or I have a will, but uh, virtually everything uh, Marjorie and I have are in a trust for the benefit of our kids. And we just you just have to t- trust the trustee is what you have to do because there's no control over it. Uh, one of the things about a will is that the courts control it. There's oversight. I see. In other words, a uh, what happens is when the, it's probate, probate is open. It's a It's a public document. The court looks at it. And then goes ahead and uh, the will is distributed. A trust, there is no control that it, that the courts have. You have to trust the trustee. But, you know, the one is it one of the kids, one of the girls going to be the trustee? Uh, two, uh, yes. Well, All right, so you choose one to be a trustee or you choose both. It really doesn't matter. And they're the only beneficiaries. Is there any issue with one of the girls screwing over the other girl? Let's say you no, named no, one. They, they get along. Oh, then you're fine. Then just do a trust. You can do an easy trust. How much? Uh, how much is the house worth? I don't know. Uh, Eight hundred. Uh, and is there a mortgage? Is there a mortgage on it? Uh, there's a small mortgage. It'll probably be paid off by next April. Oh, okay, that's uh, easy. Yeah, I'd hire on that one. I'd hire a lawyer. Okay. Yes. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do one of those internet trusts personally. No, no. I. Yeah, I, it's a couple. I, it's a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars, and uh, you'll be fine. And your daughters at that point going to wish you to be dead very quickly. Right. How, how old are you? Um, uh, 79. Oh, so it's not quite time. I'd give it another couple of years before you should pop off. Right. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Why not? This is Handle on the Law. All right. The lovely Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Coming up on Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. The LA Food Bank has a program this summer that fights food insecurity for our kids. And when the heat is on, ice is also ramping up. And, of course, your calendar section. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. Tomorrow morning at 5 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Handle here. It is a uh, Saturday morning. Back we go. More handle on the law. All right, Sandra, you're up. Hello, Sandra. Yes, good morning. Yes, ma'am. Question number one, is there a statute of limitation for theft? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And uh, whatever the hell it is. Probably three years, five years. I don't know what it is. But there is a statute. Yes. Okay. My uh, relative and I had a safety deposit box together. He's deceased now. And I was going through some paperwork, and I saw that uh, there was no record of one time that they drilled the box. There was no record, is what you're saying. No record. So this is the story. What happened was they um, said there was no record, and uh, I I just wonder, uh, when a bank takes something like that, 
and they take it to the state to escape the, uh, yes. the, the contents. Yes, escheat means it goes to the state. If people don't know, it's a wonderful world. It's not cheat, although you would argue that it is cheat, is S-cheat. When they can't okay. find the owner and over it goes. Now, good for you for using the appropriate word. That was just a uh, a little lesson for people that didn't know what his cheat was. Okay, so what happened was I wrote and I got a, a letter from the bank that said, for some reason, the, back, the, the box never got to the state. And we apologize. Ooh. Okay, so now they're liable. You know, it's well, not, where's I, the theft? By the way, Sandra, well, where is the theft here? Well, the box. What was the contents of the box? It's not theft. They oh, just, they theft. just no. They lost it. They lost. Yeah, it. So somewhere it disappeared. Uh, on maybe on the way over to the state. Uh, maybe it was lost. Maybe they did send it to the state, and the paperwork is lost. Uh, that's not theft. Not that's not to say they're not responsible, but mm-hmm. it's, you're using the wrong legal concepts. Not theft. Now well, the problem is they're totally liable. How do you prove what was in the box, Sandra? That's the problem. Well, he was a collector of gold coins. Aha! And how much, uh, well, let me ask you this. What do you think the value of the gold coins uh, were? I don't know. Yeah, so how much, so let's say the bank is liable, which I think they are. How much are you going to sue for? Because it's only money. I mean, that's all you can get because everything else is gone. How much are you going to sue for? Well, one lawyer told me if it's not worth $150,000, they're not. Maybe, but that's that lawyer. And incidentally, what, what relative uh, is it? What's your connection to uh, the person that... Um, a, uh, a second cousin. Second cousin. And mm-hmm. are you... See, here's uh, also the problem. You don't have standing. Uh, who... Was there a will? No, there was no will. And are you the closest relative? Well, most of them are dead. So no, I I'm, no I'm, I'm talking about people that are alive. Dead people have a hard time suing. Are you the closest relative? Uh, it's questionable. Okay, there has to be a will opened. You don't have standing. You have absolutely no standing to say that it's uh, that it's whatever it was there was your property. Okay. So you can't say it's his property and then go in and try to grab his property when you haven't even established your ownership. So, uh, incidentally, it's very easy to establish a lawsuit for $100,000. You know, all you have to do is say there is $100,000 worth of gold in there. See, I'd go for half a million dollars personally. Because if I if, if there's no proof, I might as well throw any kind of figure I want in there. You see the problem with the proof? Yes. yes. Even, though, even though I'm a distant relative? No, well, no. That There's two issues here. One is it doesn't matter if you're a distant relative. You don't have standing unless you have been named a beneficiary of all of his assets. You just can't go in. No, but we both have it in our name. It doesn't matter. You have admitted it oh. is his property. Okay. Just because if I, if I, for example, decide I'm going to take a safety deposit box with you and we fill it out and I've got it full of stuff, you somehow get to own it? Hmm. Don't my heirs get to own whatever property is there? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's, there's, uh, the liability is there, uh, but uh, the proof is very, very difficult. I don't even know where you start with that. I really don't. Hire a lawyer. Lawyer's going to say, where's the proof? Uh, is there a statutory provision? And if there is, in terms of money, it's going to be very, very low. You, you have to talk to another lawyer. That's what you have to talk to, is a civil lawyer. All right. Uh, now talk about your identity and it being stolen. 
And there are so many ways to steal your identity. You're talking about credit cards that you use. That's sort of a given. But uh, fake uh, IRS returns uh, where the money goes to someone else and not you and it's in your name. Uh, Establishing credit. All of it. So let me tell you what I do to protect myself and my entire family as we use LifeLock. And I've been a customer of LifeLock way before I've been telling you about LifeLock on this show. Someone's identity is stolen every two seconds. And if you're in that pile, you're in a world of hurt unless you have protection. And LifeLock does exactly that. It protects you. Not only does it monitor what's going on out there, but it alerts you whenever there's an issue. And if your identity is stolen, if it is compromised, then they then work to fix that problem. They actually have uh, restoration specialists based in the United States, so they speak English. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction in every business, but in my opinion, LifeLock is the best out there. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Promo code HANDLE when you go to LifeLock.com, or you can call 800-LIFELOCK, 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater is in the KFI newsroom. If you've been waiting for more stimulating talk... Here it is, KFI and iHeartRadio Station. KFI, Handle here on a uh, Saturday, 800-5201-KFI-5201534. Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Hello, Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm calling about my mom who turned 92 years old this week, and she lives in a senior housing. She has a, a little tiny dog that weighs about about a pound and a half. She's about five inches tall, very tiny. She is an in-house puppy, and she goes on the doggy pads. She, my mom pays extra to have her there. When my mom moved into that complex over uh, 10 years ago, uh, she got a letter from the, her doctor saying that she needs a companion. Ah, that she all right. Should have all right. A so, dog. so far, so good. All right. So what's going on? Well, this apartment complex it came under new management. And the new manager went to my mom uh, the other day and told her uh, she you, had 30 days. Yeah, no, 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 can't do it. Uh, she's fine. First of all, she's grandfathered. Well, actually, she's grandmothered into <laughs> uh, uh, allowing the dog. Also, she's a companion dog. Uh, yes. So they would, uh, yeah, there's no way. There's no way. She has to tell the management company No. Uh, and here oh, are the two reasons. Uh-huh. Uh, first of yeah, all, because- that's a uh, companion dog. And uh-huh. second of all, it is, uh, I've been doing it for 10 years. You can't just arbitrarily change the law on me or change the rules. So she'll be fine, Shirley. How old is oh. she? How old, how old is she again? She just turned 92 and 30, mm. and she, she suffers from anxiety attacks and depression. So right now she's kind of like just falling apart. Ah, because- but she has to, but she's, oh, there, she's falling apart because they're going to take away her dog. Yes. Oh, no, they're not going to yes. take away her dog. What and, kind of, and, and if it's a pound and, and a half, what, what kind of dog is a pound and a half? It, she's a, a, a miniature chihuahua. I mean, a miniature she, chihuahua. 
She's t- micro tiny. She, I mean, you pick her up, and I think a potato weighs more than her. Is, I didn't know there were miniature chihuahuas. Yes, she's like a teacup. She's very, very. Oh yeah, tiny. no, I have heard of teacup chihuahuas. Uh-huh. I have heard that phrase before. Yes, and so you just hide it. All you have to do is hide it somewhere. I mean, where's uh, you know, you put it behind a couch or in a cabinet and put it behind a can of beans or something. She's yes. going to be fine. Surely she's yes. going to be fine. Don't worry about the it. Last, just the last chihuahua that she had that she took outside, she had her outside, and a pit bull came running out of the street and killed it. Yeah, killed. Just ate it. One bite. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Gone. It's an hors d'oeuvre. All yes. right. No problem. Just uh, have her tell the uh, management company. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Pound sand. Amy. Hello, Amy. Yeah, hi. Yes. Um, I'm plan- I'm uh, filing for bankruptcy. Oh, congratulations. Okay. Um, will my husband be affected if I'll be filing by myself? Well, he's not going to be affected by the bankruptcy. He's not going to get bankrupt. He will not be bankrupt. They're not going to force him into the bankruptcy. Uh, however, uh, in- any joint assets that you have... Those are going to get caught up in the bankruptcy to pay off creditors. Well, we don't have any property. Then, and you have no property? No, then you're going to be fine. If you have nothing. How about, how about his credit cards? Will it be closed by the bank? Uh, it depends. Uh, yeah, they'll probably be closed. Or maybe, are they being paid regularly? Yes, oh, and my should... name is not part oh, of yeah, the Oh, yeah, she'll be fine. Cards. Then that's fine. No, they'll be fine. Just go bankrupt. Okay, thank you. Enjoy yourself. Just, uh, yeah, go ahead and forward it. Oh, Helen. There you go, Helen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I had a question. I'm interested in um, basically transferring, just setting up a living will so that I could put my property on the living trust. I'm a living trust, I'm sorry. Okay, you want to set up a living trust to put your property into the trust. All right. Yeah, but I'm I'm just worried because I know anytime you change title to property, it can trigger a property tax increase. Yeah, so I was wondering, can that happen? Uh, you I... know, what? that's a good question, and I don't know the answer. I'm guessing no, uh, okay. because effectively you still own the property because uh, you can change it out anytime you want. And I'm yeah. I'm I'm not. This is an IRS question. This is yeah. because this only has to deal with taxes. That's all okay. you care about. Uh, and we're talking about the collector. Now, it's not an IRS question. It's a, a county assessor office, and you can call the county assessor's office. Matter of fact, I met the county assessor uh, the other really? day at an event. Yeah, the guy himself. I met him. He goes, there he is. I go, what do you do? I'm the county assessor. I hate you. Everybody hates him. Uh, but certainly when the uh, trust is uh, distributed and the property does transfer title from the trust to whoever the beneficiary is, that certainly will, uh, 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 that will uh, click off. That will click uh, onto a transfer. There's no question. That will absolutely occur. Now, I don't know. So you have to call the assessor's office if it works the same way once it goes into a trust. So uh, the quick answer to your question is I don't know. That's all. I have no idea. All right, uh, Jan. Hello, Jan. Hello. Very nice to talk with you. Yes, it is. Your show. Yes, you do. Okay. Yes, I do. And I enjoy your rudeness. Too. Yeah, well, good. <laughs> I am calling because I would like to know. I have a very good credit score. I pay my bills totally on time all the time. Unfortunately, earlier this year, I had back-to-back-to-back deaths in the family. And one month, I was late in paying my bill. Okay? Uh, uh, it was... You know, not very much money. Well, when I got the second bill, which included a late charge, I 
paid that entire thing. In my mind, it was paid off. Right. It was done. Well, I started getting phone calls on the phone. Well, I've been too busy, and I didn't answer the phone. I just left. All right, you started getting phone calls from whom? The the, uh, credit card company that I made the payment to. And have you ans- have you answered the phone? Have you talked yes, to them yes, yet? Yes, and I did. That's why I'm calling because now uh, she said that because all these months it's only been a few, but uh, they keep adding uh, late charges, and my bill is now 159 okay. dollars. Now, hang on a second. Uh, you got the first time you received a notice saying that you're late, this is the payment you owe, plus a late charge, you paid it. Correct. All right, so uh, I think the the only thing I'm thinking is they're attaching it to the first payment, the back payment, and you haven't paid the current payment, I think is what their thinking is. So you have to t- straighten that out with the credit card company. And and I, what she said, okay, let's say, you know, months. Three, I don't know, just, let's say it was month three that they originally said I was late. Well, I paid month four, which had the late charge for month three. All right, got to do some talking. Something is going on that doesn't make any sense. And he said they're going to just continue and continue. And I said, how about I pay one late charge and we'll be done with it. And that's it. You can see that I don't do this stuff. She said, no, that's it. It's just going to continue to okay. grow. Okay, uh, have they dinged your credit yet? They're, that's the that's the threat order. they're going to make. That's the threat they're going to make, and that uh, that will be a violation of federal law when they do that because that's extortion. It's a violation of the I think yeah. Fair Credit Reporting Act or whatever the hell they call it. Yeah, uh, it's time to talk to. Uh, you're talking to a collection agency, correct? No, it's actually the I bank itself. You're to talking to the bank itself. That's correct. You have to go up as far as you can go. Okay. That's okay. all you can do is get on the phone. Let me talk to your supervisor. Write emails to everybody. Vice president okay. in charge of screwing people over on credit cards. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, just just go nuts on that. Okay. Uh, because once you start going through the legal system, it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. But something is going on that doesn't make any sense. Wow, a bank trying to rip you off on a credit card. I've never heard of that before. And we're talking, it, the, the original bill was six, uh, 57 I paid Sixty-eight oh three. Yeah. All right. So, just really quickly, how big a deal is one hundred and forty or one hundred fifty dollars to you? Right now, it's very big. Okay. Then, then you have to go crazy with the phone calls. Mm-hmm. All right. Then, then you have to do it. For people that have money, uh, when I say how big a deal, I say, you know what? Is it worth the hassle? You've been tagged, right? You're ripped off. You're dealing with a credit card company. You know, what point do you? How much hassle is it worth? Just pay the damn thing. And switch credit cards. That's what I would do. But then I make more money than she does. So it's easy for me to say, isn't it? Yeah. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Julie. Next on the Mo Kelly Show, former White House Communications Director for the Trump Administration, Mike Dubke, will be my guest, and I will ask him about Steve Scalise, Sean Spicer, and where our national discourse is headed. Also, transformative actor Vincent D'Onofrio drops us a line as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of the iconic Stanley Kubrick film, Full Metal Jacket. Mo Kelly, tonight at 6, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. All right, let's do it. More Handle on the news, marginal legal advice. Or Handle on the law. I don't know why I think that. 
Well, because I do a segment called Handle on the News during the week. And I always have, I'm always confused between news and law. And you're calling me for advice. Okay, uh, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Bill. Yes. I got a big problem. Okay, nine months ago, I booked a scuba diving trip to Vladivostok, Russia, and North Korea. I didn't know they do scuba diving in North Korea. Well, I didn't either. It was supposed to be the first trip of its kind. Okay. And it's booked through a um, Chinese tour company. They said, oh, taking an American is no problem. North Korea is the safest place. Don't don't listen to all the United States propaganda. You know, come and, and see the real North Korea. Okay, so I paid. I booked my flight. I booked hotels. I was really interested in going to this um this location well uh last tuesday they emailed me saying i'm sorry but effective immediately we have decided we're not taking any american visitors but we're we're going to be glad to refund all of your money okay okay well that's the money that i sent them for the trip yeah so far so good okay well it cost me $100 to cancel my airline. I paid $400 for the Russian visa and the letter of invitation, which I no longer need. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost me $60 to... No, I get it. You have a bunch of uh, expenses. All yeah. right. So yeah, what, your exactly. question, and your are outside of uh, the money that they're refunding seven, it. It's going to cost me $780 Extra. to go. All right. How do I get that money back? How do I sue in, a in chi- a Chinese company? It's a Chinese tour company. Yeah, good, and they're based out of, the, and they have some office in the United States. No, they don't. Well, I would suggest here's what you can do. This works. Okay, is uh, I'm assuming they have some method of uh, of small claims. I'm sure they have. Uh, so I would file their equivalent to the small claims court. You fly to China. Because it has to be heard there. Don't forget the hotel rooms and the food in China. And you're going to lose. So uh, you'll Why be... would I lose? Because it's China. Well, I would have to hire a translator, too, though. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, that one, too. And it could be that you have to hire a lawyer uh, in order to deal with the Chinese legal system. So uh, I would go for it. I, I would absolutely go okay. for it. I think it would cost you, I'm Good. guessing, five, six, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. But, okay, now, if I sue them for discrimination based on national origin... They don't even know, they don't even have discrimination over there. They didn't cancel the tour. I know, I understand. No, they're, they're they liable. I get it. Tour. They canceled me because I'm an American. Okay, it is, it is. You're right. It's totally discrimination. Now what? You think they have a constitution where they recognize racial discrimination over there? Uh, I can't read Chinese. I don't. Ah, know. oh, that's right. You need a translator to figure that out. That's right. Uh, and, and not only do you need a translator, you're going to need a translator to help you with a Chinese lawyer who's going to tell you that there is no such thing as discrimination issues in China when it comes to an American. Yeah, that all works. Hope you go for it. Uh, as a matter of fact, call me and tell me how that went. When you do that, <sighs> that's great. Yeah, just it's great. You know, thank you for that. You know, and you know, every once in a while, I get a call that I enjoy so much. 
This is Handle on the Law. AFI AM 640. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning with the legal show. Top of the hour. Of course, the best time uh, to call. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Numbers to call. We have a couple. Yeah, we have some lines open. Absolutely. All right, following the show, Leo Laporte from 11 to 2. Oh, tonight at 6.15 on Mo Kelly, uh, it's going to be Mike Dubke, uh, former communications director for the Trump administration, who didn't last very long, but he was the former comms uh, director, and uh, he'll be Mo's guest at 6.15 this evening. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case whatsoever. Fascinating story about Boris Becker, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. And I want to tell you about a five-second, as he describes it, uh, sex encounter. All right, so he is at a restaurant, married at the time with his uh, second wife, or his wife being pregnant with their second child. So she's at home, and she's knocked up, right? So he meets a uh, model, and they start talking at the restaurant and then decide within minutes they're going to go into a a broom closet and stoop their brains out. And he does, and they do. And she gets pregnant. Okay, that's a problem. Uh, because the child was born, child's uh, that was born in 1998, and let me and he just declared bankruptcy. Which you go, know, this guy's made a fortune. He's made north of 100 million dollars, maybe 150 million dollars over his career, and he not only in tennis but also he makes a fortune as a commentator. So how is that possible? Well, let's talk about the Stupfest that he had in that uh, broom closet. And he had to pay uh, the model, right? what was her name, Angela Irmakova. He had to pay her about $3 million and monthly maintenance payments, child support of about $30, $32 million. And this goes on until the kid's 18. So uh, that's, uh, or $32,000 a month uh, for 18 years after paying off uh, the model about $3 million. Oh, let's not forget it cost him his marriage because his wife, Barbara, it walks out on him. And so she settles for about $15 million and the family home when they split. So he described that encounter with the model Irma, uh, Irmokova uh, and the financial damage as the most expensive five seconds of my life. Man, if it was five seconds, he's got... Bigger issues than the $30 million that he claims that uh, it cost him, uh, which it did. He's now married to his second wife, Lily. They have a son and a claim that's been made against him. And all we know, it's uh, for, quote, a substantial debt was brought against him by private bankers that he had borrowed money from. We don't know the amount, but we certainly know that he hasn't paid it. Otherwise, they don't bring lawsuit, uh, a suit or a claim. 
and so he had to he had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, he previously received a suspended sentence in Germany for tax offenses, saying, oh, "I'm going to pay up." Well, never did. And the judge uh, said he gave the impression of a man with his head in the sand, and she went ahead and declared him bankrupt. Uh, that was the German bankruptcy judge. And uh, he later wrote on Twitter, I'm surprised and disappointed that uh, uh, the finance company or the financial institution that loaned him the money chose to bring these proceedings against me. Uh, the order relates to one dis- one disputed loan, which I was to repay in full in one month's time. Can't do it. Bankruptcy. But I'm enjoying that five seconds. How much is that per second? Over $30 million, uh, five seconds, $6 million per second. Yeah, as Mike said, imagine what the hourly rate would be on that one. No kidding. Okay, uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and take uh, a phone call or two. Hi, Alana. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Alana, you're up, my dear. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, sir, I went to a... Uh, specialist that that carries a specialized food. The dog was supposed to get medicine in the way of food for her internal problem, which is an adrenal gland. The food also helps dogs with skin problems. When the original vet office was called for the prescription, they said that the dog was to get uh, uh, another kind of food for liver. I did not know that it was for liver at the time, and so I did some research on it and found out that the prescription that was given to me is only for liver. And I never got a prescription for the internal problem. Do I have a well, case? Well, 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 what happened to the dog? Uh, she is still on the internal. Yeah. All right. Uh, so how is the dog? So tell me what's going on. I don't care if she's on her medication. What's the, what's happened to her? Have, have her insides exploded? Uh, is she now a close uh, to death? She, what is actually wrong with a dog now other than what was wrong with her before? Uh, she had an adrenal gland removed that had become a mass. It was no longer a gland. Ah, and you, okay, and your argument is, had she had the proper medication, the adrenal gland would have been fine? No, that she needs to be on the uh, medicine. Yeah, but she had to, I understand, but she had to be on the medicine anyway. Your argument is that she wasn't on it for a period of time because the vet gave her the wrong prescription, right? And now you have the right prescription and she's on the appropriate prescription. How was the dog? Yes. How was the dog damaged? She wasn't. And what do you plan on suing for? A wrong prescription. Oh, and and you have to have some damages. Oh, so what? I- what are you? Go- what are you going to sue for? That someone has to be damaged. Your dog had to be damaged. Not just a wrong prescription. I mean, no harm, no foul. No, I never bought the wrong medicine. You never even bought the wrong medicine. So you want to sue the vet for writing a prescription that you never bought and your dog is fine. Do I have I that bought, right? I bought it and then returned it. Aha, uh-huh, so you you never gave your dog the wrong prescription. 
No, sir. Okay, and you want to sue the vet for what? How much money would you like? Not very much. All right, so, um, mm-hmm. and so what is not very much? I had not contemplated the mm. amount. Yeah. Well, what do you think I'm going to say? Uh, Forget yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, And your dog's going to be fine? So far. How old's your dog? Nine. Oh, adrenal problems, uh, liver problems. What kind of dog? German Shepherd. Oh, they're going to have, you're lucky German Shepherd's around anyway. They die very young. I've had lots of Shepherds. And they die pretty young, don't they? No. Oh, all right. Well, that's how much I know about dogs. Uh, I thought the bigger dogs die young. It's the little ones that uh, last forever. You know, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, yeah, I love that. Yeah, this this is why I get phone calls. Wrong prescription, never taken, never filled, or returned. Dog is fine. I want some money. Of course you do. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. Julie, some news, please. Hey, everybody. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer here. Two-thirds of Americans admit to having peed in the pool. The other third of Americans are liars. Let's talk about the pool you have or the pool you want this Sunday on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. AM uh, 640 Handle here. It is a uh, Saturday morning. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Hi, Charlie. Hi. So the company that I work for, all of us employees who report to our specific office have filed to go union. And our company has told us that because of that, they have put a freeze on all promotions and raises Mm. and i I was under the impression that they still had to operate under the their regular status quo and so i was just wondering like what legal recourse yeah that now this one gets interesting because uh a company has the absolute right to freeze everything uh, and uh, that's their right however i don't think under uh federal labor relations act uh the Feds, they're allowed to do that because a union has been formed. And if they right. told you we're doing this because the union has been formed, uh, they've got all kinds of problems. So uh, right. you have already certified. And which uh, organization are uh, you part of? Uh, well, I work for a private company who is a subcontractor for a lot of the utilities. No, no, companies. I understand. So what what uh, union are you covered under? Uh, uh, the, I, the IBEW. Got it. And IBEW has a uh, uh, will have lawyers, and they'll instantly go after them. Right. Well, here's the kicker. So the day before our election to actually vote to join the union, the union filed an unfair labor practice against our company. Yeah. So, so now there's an investigation going on. All right. Good. So it doesn't. So and, okay, that just helps you. Right. That's all. And so the okay. IBW International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. What uh, local? Um, I forget which specific one. This has happened like within the past couple of weeks. Oh, you know, my dad was a member of uh, Local 11 out of the IBW for 35 years. Yeah, he like it? Uh, yeah, I think he did. I mean, he certainly did better than he otherwise would have being part of the uh, union, of course. 
Right. You know, he would have been paid a lot less if he wasn't part of the union. But there are union lawyers that will go nuts on this one, uh, uh, the IBW lawyers. And believe me, they know what the hell they're doing. Uh, yeah, company can't do that. You think that they wouldn't do it as a direct result? Go uh, go figure. Dan. Uh, hello, Dan. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey. Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, let me take you off speaker. Okay. That would be a good idea. Okay. I um I think I know of a class action lawsuit. Uh, I've done measurements and it's absolutely uh, false advertising. Okay, when again I, against uh what false advertising what? Well, I don't really want to tell you. No, you can give me a you can give me a why not? Because I don't want somebody else to steal the idea. What I want is not to be part of the class action. I want to get a finder. Can't do it. Can't do it. Nope, you can't do it, Dan. All you can well, do is be the lead plaintiff. Well, why? Why? Because why, it's illegal. Why, lawyers lawyers are not allowed to give finders fees. Oh, my. I mean, yeah, and they wouldn't anyway. And they wouldn't anyway, Dan. So you're out to lunch. Why? And why wouldn't you be part of the class action? Because, like you've said before, you get you know, the no, you do. You get, but you get. No, you get very little. But you, as a lead plaintiff, you get a lot more. So now that you can't do it, what company and what would the lawsuit involve? Well, I, still, if I'm going to get a little more than the, the then other you, people, and then you're the lead plaintiff. Have you contacted a lawyer yet? No. I then go to a class action that. lawyer. Uh, go to anybody that does class action lawsuits. But uh, what industry are you talking about? I can't even tell you that because it's it's the same industry. But they all do the same thing, but they're different. All right, they're so different. what? So tell you, so tell me the industry. I mean, that's not going to really – you're not revealing any information? Yeah, it is. I, I can't explain it to you because as soon as I do, it's out there and somebody else can do it. So, I mean, so Dan, why do you think you're the first one to come up with this idea? Because you don't sound particularly – let's say the word is sophisticated. Why do you think you're the only one – that all of a sudden has come up with the idea, oh, there's false advertising, and I'm going to go after this industry, but I can't tell you what it is because it's a secret, because no one else has figured this out, because I'm the genius to figure this out. Yeah, because they've at least been doing this for 10 years. I'm not arguing that, but you're telling me you're the only one that has figured this out. Dan, you are obviously a lot smarter than I give you credit for. (laughs) I'm sure. Uh, By the way, can I ask what you do for a living, or is that also a top secret? No, I'm a a, a gardener. All right, and you're a gardener. And you don't speak Spanish? No, no, I don't. There's a miracle. But then this is Southern California, too. I have no idea how gardeners do in South Dakota. I think I'm going to leave it right there before I get into more trouble. What do you think? This is Handle on the Law. All right, Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom. What's going on out there? Traffic is getting worse. These guys are saving money to live out in the Inland Empire, but it's costing them tons of time. Hours and hours every single day. You actually have a chance to help people. KFI is fighting back. Jeff Baugh, Michael Bryant. When you hear Eye in the Sky, you're listening to KFI. And I heart radio station. KFI AM 640 handle here on a Saturday morning. Few lines open, 800-520-1KFI. 
800-520-1534. And if you've uh, ever tried to call and you've been put on hold for half an hour uh, or been told, eh, Handle's not taking your call, a good time to call now? This is Handle on the Law. All right, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. I want my wife to go away. We signed a one-year lease on a house four and a half years ago. We're on a month-to-month now. I wanted to either pay half the rent or evict her. Can I do that legally? Nope. If you're I'm both, true. if you're both in the property, and uh, she is also a tenant, you can't do it because the property originally the lease was in both of your names, and the month-to-month right. continue in both of your names. So no, you can't evict her. Can I make her pay? Well, yeah, you could theoretically make her pay. Are you still married? Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, you'd have to divorce her, and then go through, pay, then you'd have to, go, have to pay alimony. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, it depends on who earns more money than uh, than I the do. other one. She doesn't work. I do. Uh you're screwed. I'm screwed. Oh okay. yeah, you're better off killing her. I mean, there's Thanks no yeah, there's no question about that. This is one of those where legally you're screwed, and you simply have to take uh, the law into uh, other means. Well, you actually wouldn't take the law into. Uh, your hands if you ended up committing murder but uh pretty close right all right uh lawn uh you're up hello lawn welcome to handle on the law hi bill good morning yes sir i got i got a question for you uh about 30 years ago i was fortunate enough to get a loan from my parents to build my house i've been paying mortgage payments ever since my dad passed away about five years ago my mom passed away just last year and my sister is the executor of the will. Uh, we have pretty much settled up between my sister, my brother, and I, uh, the estate. And in doing so, they realized that my loan was never part of their estate. It was actually left out. They actually made the estate about three years after I took out the loan. All right. Um, my sister has distributed all the funds. Me, my brother, and my sister are all real cooperative, and they're willing to sign any kind of documents. However, does she still have power to distribute the almost $70,000 that I still owe the, the loan? Well, I, hey, well, first of all, have you made any payments on that loan? Oh, yeah, I've been paying mortgage payments for the last 30 years. You've been paying? Last 25 years. You've been paying your parents' mortgage payments? Or your, paying, your, your mortgage payments on your house? I've been paying mortgage payments on my house okay. directly to my parents. Who owns the house? Well, the estate does. Okay. What? Well, all right. Before the estate kicked in, who held title to the house? My parents. Your, oh, I'm. No, I did. Okay. So you own the house? Yeah. And you've been paying your parents the. Uh, equivalent to the the payments. I don't understand the mortgage payments. Yeah. Did, you, did you get a mortgage or was it the seventy thousand dollars? That was it. No, you... no, no, no. I borrowed a couple hundred grand from my parents. All right. So, paying... all right, and you've been paying them uh, over the course of many years, right? And is there a written document? Yeah, there's actually there's three notes filed with the county on loans that need to be signed off, and everything's all done. right. So you the owe been done. you owe the estate that much money. Well, the estate, my sister has dispersed all the money. All the money and the so, okay. To myself. All right, so it's over. It is over, except the three notes need to be cleared from the county. Does she have the lawful right to sign off those notes on behalf of my parents? 
No. However. I don't think so. Oh, I God, I'm a little confused here. All right. You owe uh, you owe your parents $70,000 or whatever the hell it is, right? I, I did. I did. All the money's been dispersed. I took a third of it. My sister took a third of it. My brother took right. a third of it. So, plus the remainder of the estate. All right. So there's no, uh, your folks, and you were loaning, you were paying them individually, correct? Correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then it's, the loan's over. Now, theoretically, okay. uh, your sister can sue you for the $30,000 or the 70000 but uh, is she going to? No. Oh, no, absolutely not. Then don't worry about it. It's over. But how do I sign off? How you have to I pay it off. Money? That's oh, it's uh, oh. How do you sign off on it? Uh, how do I sign? Got it. Then that the be, well, you you still owe money on the note, and the the estate can forgive it. The estate forgives the loan. Okay, but the that, that loan we just found out was not part of the estate. They forgot to put it in. Um. Uh, after after a couple years after so it's just a, it's just a loan that's floating out there i wouldn't worry about it then i wouldn't worry about it then you have a property that's owned uh by your it goes into an it goes into the estate anyway even if it wasn't put in because normally what wills are written as anything uh also left over goes in okay yeah so that's the way they're normally written because people forget all the time so okay. there's a there's a, there will be a residual clause in there uh, that will say, and all other assets also go in, or all other assets go to the beneficiaries. And if the beneficiaries are one-third, 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 then you split all other assets. And right. and one of the assets is a note that you owe personally. And if your sisters want to forgive it, that's great. And your sisters don't want to forgive it, then you get to pay them oh. back two-thirds. Yeah, but that's already been done. That's already been divvied out. All right, the then you're thing, done. The only, thing, the only thing hanging out is three notes to the county saying that I owe on a loan but it's been forgiven okay yeah the county you don't owe the county any money and i'll I'll have i'll have free and clear title to the property yeah they sign off whoever owns uh, the money that's owed to your parents and now it's in the estate and the executive of the state says you don't owe the money anymore and signs off it's been discharged wow that was a little confusing wasn't it and i'm sure i got it wrong but i don't care Hmm. Matt, hello, Matt. Hey, Bill. Uh, I had bought a truck two months ago. Uh, somebody, it was a, a private party deal. And I didn't transfer the title into my name right away within that 10 days, I believe. And uh, I got a ticket for a toll road violation at some point, And the ticket went to the previous owner's home. And he called me claiming he had some sort of legal recourse, although I have since. Uh, transfer the title back into my name. All right. What, what's uh, the recourse? He says he has. I have no idea. I'll he owes. Be- he owes them. He owes the money because, uh, or he can argue he doesn't owe the money uh, because uh-huh. he has a bill of sale, and you, in fact, owe the money. So I, I don't understand what legal recourse he has. I don't either. I just wanted. What to, he can I here's what he can here's his legal resource uh, recourse. He pays the ticket and asks you to pay for it. Because you own the you own the truck, and it happened after the course of uh, the transfer of property, not necessarily the registration. Right. So it's when the it's when it was sold. So he pays the ticket, and you pay it back. You pay him back. It's not that complicated. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be taken to court for anything. That's you can be taken to court for the cost of the ticket if you don't pay. Got it. Okay. And that's it. And the problem with those toll tickets, those toll roll tickets. You don't pay them, they start just jacking up like crazy. $3.80.
Then if you don't pay it within five days, it goes to $12. And then if you don't pay it for the next 30 days, it goes to $100, then $200. And if you let it go for six months, it's $5.8 million. I mean, it's crazy making. It really is. Pamela. Hello, Pamela. Hi, Bill. Yes. Um, At 78, my active and still working dad had a knee replacement surgery. And the the next day, he was never the same. Mm. Uh, We believe he had brain damage, and we put him in memory care, and it drained up to a million dollars. Wow. Now the question is, have you had an independent doctor outside of the guy who did the surgery uh, has uh, has he been diagnosed with uh, the brain damage as a result of the surgery of the anesthesia? Not formally. Yeah, well, formally you pretty well have to do it because those courts uh, tend to be pretty formal. You know how that works? And, Pamela, no one really cares what you think unless unless you've been to medical school and you've done your residency in neurology – and even then, I wouldn't believe you because you're too biased because you're da- the daughter, even though you're a world-famous neurologist, right? Well, he, he couldn't even make clear thoughts. Not arguing so. that. Pamela, you still have to have a doctor to certify any malpractice case. So you have to take your dad to a doctor or at least t- contact a medical malpractice attorney who then will refer him to a doctor. He has since passed in December. Then you have a problem, as in you have no case. How long was he uh, neurologically damaged? Five, uh, six years. And you're waiting six years? Because my mom didn't know what to do. And you're waiting six years. You think, uh, do you think that's a defense? My mom didn't know what to do. Therefore, I want the statute to not count in this case because my mother made the wrong decision. Oh, by the way, the rule that says that a personal injury case dies with uh, dies with the plaintiff, uh, that one you have to ignore, too. Now, I think your mom may have a case or you may what have a case. What about the family wealth that's gone forever? Uh, and that's a, that's life a, was ruined. Yeah, no, that's a problem. That's and a problem. Could, I could get a doctor to say that. I know he has a, a, a physician. That will say what? Physician. That will say that the neurological damage was a, ro- a result of the anesthesia? I don't know. Yeah. Eh, see the problem? There, yeah, so you can do, just to make yourself feel better, talk to a medical malpractice attorney. He'll probably tell you the same thing. But at least uh, you'll know whether I'm right or wrong. But I, I heard you have up to seven years. Uh, not not on a med- no not on a medical malpractice case you don't. Oh. It's two or three years depending on from the date of the injury or the date of discovery, and you discovered it the date of the injury. This is handle on the law. Eight hundred five two zero one KFI. That's the number you want to call. For some reason this morning, uh, there have been a uh, a dearth of calls. Are we close to doing Jerry Lewis? Singing, you'll never be, you'll never walk alone. So here's what happens when you don't call in. This happens very often, but it does happen, and they're a lot of fun. What we do is we play Jerry Lewis singing, I'll never walk alone for the uh, MS telethon that he used to do. And can we have a, give it a little flavor when of, here we go. a storm, keep your head up high. Yep, we'll be doing that for 15 minutes. Be afraid. 
KFI. At the end of the storm. Okay, let's check in with uh, Julie Slater, KFI News Center. Julie. On the next Dark Secret Place, the F-35 redeems its reputation at the Paris Air Show. The United States retaliates against Russian election hacking, and a Canadian sniper kills an ISIS suicide bomber from two miles away. Is it possible for somebody from Canada to be that badass? On the next Dark Secret Place. The Dark Secret Place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Uh, Luke, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes. um, I just moved into a a new apartment. Um, I signed the lease about three weeks ago. And uh, when I signed it, the manager said that uh, he'll give me a copy as soon as he can. And every week I've asked him for the copy of the lease, and he has, still has not given it to me. Is there a deadline where he no, has no, to give no, it to me? no, no? There's no deadline. But at the same time, why wouldn't he give you a copy of the lease? Because it's the lease that lays out what you're supposed to do and not do. Exactly. So, and, um, and how long is it? How long has it been? Three weeks. Just keep on asking him. Okay. Um, there was an issue that came up. And he said, hey, uh, the next time you have guests, I have to know the day before. Then you have uh, to say, give me a copy of the lease. Yeah. That's all okay. you have to say. I, it doesn't make any sense that he doesn't have a lease. I just really don't get that. Uh, hello, Todd. You're up. Welcome, yes. Todd. What's happening, Bill? Hey, I'm going to make a long story short. I got some tickets in 92, 25 years ago. Um, I got them for like three or four years. I got several tickets. Ended up going to prison in 97. Got out of prison in 99 and moved to Florida. Well, I just moved back from California or to California, and now they're threatening to attach my wages for $2,800 worth of ticket well, you, 25 years ago. Yeah, you get to – first of all, I think the statute is uh, in place here. Uh, I can't imagine how 25-year-old tickets – uh, unless they argue the statute had told because you're out of state. I don't quite understand the, their legal basis for keeping it. But get your ass in front of a judge. Yeah, all right. And all right, just and explain it. I couldn't pay for it and I've been in prison and uh, it's 25 years ago. And uh, if I'm the judge, I'm going to knock it down. And most, ju- most judges would knock it down. All right. Uh, as uh, we enjoy our summer vacation, let me tell you who's really enjoying your summer vacation. Uh, the identity thieves. Uh, you're spending more money, you're going to restaurants more, uh, your credit card is out there more. Uh, guess what? The identity thieves are out there stealing all of that. And there as many ways as you can think of the, their ability to steal your identity, there are more. So let me tell you how I protect myself, and I'm going to suggest you look into uh, these folks also. LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity thefts and identity threats. Uh, you'd be surprised. So here's what they do. They monitor what's going on out there. For example, I opened a new bank account uh, last week. They immediately called me and said, hey, someone has just opened a bank account. Is that you? Yes. And I mean, they jumped right on it. And all uh, other ways of, uh, of of your identity being uh, threatened and compromised, and they're right on top of it. So they uh, they monitor. They detect. Uh, they'll tell you about it. And if you do have a problem with your identity, 
and it's been compromised, then they work to fix that problem. That's where uh, uh, that's where uh, LifeLock is so unique. U.S.-based restoration specialists do this, so you're not talking about somebody out there in India. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction, every business, but in my opinion, LifeLock is absolutely the best out there. So go to LifeLock.com, use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your LifeLock membership. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. Or you can call 800-LIFELOCK, same 10% off, 800-LIFELOCK, lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. AM 640. Handle here on a Saturday morning up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte shows up at 11, 11 to 2 with the tech show. And from 2 to 5 this afternoon, the Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Uh, this evening, starting at 6, 6 to 8, Mo Kelly, 8 to 10, Monique Marvez, and 10 to midnight, it is Brian Suits with the Dark Secret Place. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. There is a terrific story, a sort of legal story, out of uh, New York. There is a Russian billionaire who has a yacht, a super yacht, that's been anchored right next to the Statue of Liberty in the harbor. Now, most boats drop anchor for a couple days at most, but this one has been there for months And it's getting in the way of the view of the Statue of Liberty. Why? It's 371 feet long. Comes with a 65-person crew, has a diving center, a helicopter, aquarium, a speedboat, and it belongs to an oil uh, oil tycoon out of Russia. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, The guy who owns it, by the way, received it as a gift from his friend, who happens to be a friend of President Vladimir Putin. Big money there. So the yacht arrives in New York, spends uh, two weeks right there next to the Statue of Liberty, and then leaves for a couple weeks and then comes back where it's been staying for months. Now, you would think that it's illegal to be parked right next to the Statue of Liberty and ruining everybody's view. Well, no, it's perfectly legal. They can't do a damn thing about it. Uh, Even though boats do park there, but typically move after a day or two. Oh, no, no. It's been there for weeks. Actually, is coming up to uh, maybe a couple of months even. The the Coast Guard can only order boats to move when they are creating an obstacle. And this boat is not creating an obstacle. All it does is ruin everybody's view of Miss Liberty. And so until they change the law, you've got a Russian boat. Well, actually, it's a huge private yacht. 
and I'm looking at a picture of it. It's not a very good-looking yacht, incidentally. It's got a speedboat on the back, and I can see the helicopter on the pad, but it's kind of an eh look. Uh, it's, I've seen much, much better yachts for sure. So we'll see if they change the law. I'll bet you they do in New York. And then out he goes. And then the argument is it grandfathered in. He was there before the law changed. And at some point he has to move it. And then he'll come back and the law will be changed, I think. And this is uh, – uh, this is is that federal or is it state? Well, you got New Jersey. you got New York. Uh, you know, I don't know the answer. How unusual. Handel doesn't know the answer. All right. Let's take a phone call. Linda. Hello, Linda. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bill. Yes, Thank ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I made an appointment with my primary doctor, which in turn she referred me to an outside doctor. He ordered an MRI. I had it done at the hospital where I work. Um, he had ordered the MRI to rule out multiple myeloma. Okay. And? Multiple myeloma. I get it. And? Go ahead. Um, it was during the holidays. I didn't share that with my children. I had made arrangements to go visit my family out of state. Okay, you had already been, know. okay, Linda, you had already been diagnosed with multiple my, uh, my, myeloma, or that was simply, uh, they thought it might be the case? Um, no, I have not been diagnosed. Okay, but he, he but he ordered the, the MRI to... Make sure rule that, out. okay, rule it out. All right, fair enough. Yes. Okay, so what happened? And then you don't have to tell me about it with my kids and uh, vacation okay. and all that. Um, well, I got the report. I read it. It said that I had multiple myeloma. Okay, it I said you do see, have it. Okay. Yes, but when I went to see my primary doctor, she said it was a mistake. Okay. That it should have been, it, it, should, it was to rule out multiple myeloma, but they put in the report that I have multiple myeloma. All right, so, and do you? And thank God I don't have it. Okay, no. so they made a mistake, no. so they blew it. They re, So someone misread the MRI. Yes. Okay, fair enough. So what happened as a result of them misreading it? I made a complaint. Yeah. I, I work at the facility. Okay. It was done. And they sent me a letter, certified letter, stating that I told the technician that I had multiple myeloma. And I said, no, that was the order. Okay, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think out. it, okay. So one way or the other, I don't think that matters because you saying no, you saying yes, you're not a doctor, Linda. No, I'm not. All right, so it doesn't matter what you say. I mean, I can turn around and say, I've got every kind of disease in the world. Okay, who are you, Bill? Well, I'm a lawyer. All right, who's going to listen to you? So you you write a letter of complaint, and then they come back and say, this is what uh, the technician said. So what happened, Linda? How, how Where were you damaged? Um, well, it was, you know, to find out that I had multiple myeloma, I was... It was during the holidays. I just had a grandchild. I'm thinking. Okay, wow, how I'm how gonna... okay how were you damaged, Linda? Because uh, they told you you did by mistake, and it turns out you don't. What was well, it? Because I knew for a month that I had it. I didn't know that. Okay, it was you thought mistake, for a month. A month so you thought for a month you had it, and then you find out that you didn't. So for a month you thought you were going to die. Well, I, I thought I was going to be very sick. All right. Uh, well, that's even, yeah. no, you, if you really, the, the best case of all for you <laughs> is you thought you were going to die. But okay. So let's say you thought you were going to be very sick and you thought that for a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what? what? I don't know. That's what would you, I, what would you, what would you like? You, you want money? Um, 
I would like for the letter to, for them, which I'm getting ready to write them another letter, I, because that's going to go into my chart. It, that's not what happened. So you just refute it. it. So, Linda, you just refute it. You simply say that's not what happened. That's all. You just mm-hmm. refute it and put that in the chart. Just say, the, the, I never said that to the tech. And that's it. You're done. Okay. They're not going to get the tech okay. to say, oh, yes, Linda's right. The tech's not going to admit that uh, he lied or he misunderstood. Yeah, the report. I the understand, report but he's not. Okay. No, no. What you're, hold on a minute. Maybe I'm missing hmm. something. The okay. report was wrong. However, the, the tech said, you, wait a sec, but that isn't the issue. You said mm-hmm. uh, that he said that you had, uh, that you had said, I have this. Correct. Right. And based on that, he came back. Uh, what did the tech do? That's what I want to know. How is the tech going to diagnose anything? Because techs are not allowed to. Correct. So what, um, what did the tech do wrong? Um, when he, I was out of the machine, he asked me, why are we doing this test? And I responded to rule out multiple myeloma. Okay, so fine. On the actual so, order. But what does that have to do with uh, the diagnosis? The doctor did the diagnosis. I don't know who read the report. But well, it was, it was a doctor. Oh, well, re- if you have the report, there's a doctor's uh-huh. signature on there. Okay. There's a radiologist who wrote that report. So it, a tech saying yay, no, almost, it, it does nothing. No one pays attention to a tech. They're not allowed to diagnose. Correct. All they're allowed to do is do the test. So it was a doctor who misdiagnosed for a month until you found out that you don't have it. So your damages are, I thought I had it for a month, I'm going to die. So the only thing now is you can get is money. Linda, how much do you think that's worth? I don't know. Yeah, I do. Not much. Nice talking to you. This is Handle on the Law. Julie Slater in the KFI Newsroom with some news. Coming up today on the Fork Report, our buddy, author, and Food Network judge Simon Majumdar joins us. We'll talk seafood with the folks from Hook and Spear and why coconut oil ain't so great. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handel on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Okay, Susan. Hello, Susan. Susan? Hello? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I apologize. No, no, quite all right. Uh, well, welcome to Handle on the Lie. Yes. Bill, um, I have um, a friend whose ex-husband, crazy ex-husband has been harassing us. He sent me nearly 40 texts in a couple days. I Ooh. blocked him from my phone. He called our business phone blocked mm. that on social media on facebook personal and somehow he figured out one of our vendors for our business posted like lies libel okay did it cost you did you lose the business no no okay. we still right. have our business all right but, no no so did I you just, lose no did you lose the vendor's business oh no they, okay good they all right notified us they blocked okay Got and it. Then okay put, he put a couple bad like lies Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, so let's uh, Yelp, and then they blocked him. Fine. So, so Susan, you have not been damaged at this point financially. All you have is someone who is harassing you. Correct. That's correct. Got so, it. Have you I gone mean, in? Hold on. Have okay. you gone in and get a cease and desist? Do you have a? Do you do, do you now have a? Um, uh, do you have an order from the court? No, that I wanted to find yes. out. Is that called a restraining or yes. a cease and desist? And no, it's not thing? a cease and desist. It's a restraining order. It's a restraining. Okay. Yeah. So my question is. 
if I go in and I've had people say, hey, he's not going to show. If he doesn't show, do I still get it? Yes, you do. Okay. And does he have to be served? Yes, he does. Okay. So if they can't, I I think I have an address, but if they can't serve him, then... Well, I think you I think you can do it, uh, especially if he's harassing you. And there is a way of doing it uh, in which uh, you go in on an emergency order and you've done everything you can. Uh, And I I don't know the rules of that one because I've never done one. But I think there is an avenue where if you can't serve someone personally, yet the harassment continues, even to the point of damaging you. And the argument's going to be that uh, there is uh, damaging, da- uh, there's been damage done to your business. And it only has to do with, I think it's going to happen, although the judge may get a little upset about that. But just showing the text uh, yes, in I an have, affidavit, is, that, should, everything yeah, that should be enough. That yeah, should and, be enough. Oh, and then I have one last question. So my, they're divorced, but my friend is fighting it out with him in court having to do with real estate sales, blah, blah, blah. She wanted me to come as a as a witness because of the harassment, um, I don't, my husband doesn't want to go because this guy is, is nuts. But my question is, do you think if I went or if I didn't go and the evidence is presented to the judge, would the judge then, even though it, would the judge be able to say, oh, I see you've done this to these, these people you may not do that, or is this, I have to get that done on... They have to do their own. It's going to be a restraining order as to you. Okay. As Separate. to you and your business. If okay. they, if the, uh, uh, if the, well, it's, yeah, if the ex wants a, hara- uh, a restraining order and or uh, the uh, the ex, uh, is is the ex married or not? Not. Oh, this is your friend. Uh, yeah, but it's as to you. That's it. Yeah, okay. All right, All right. there you go. Uh, yeah, restraining orders. You know, I don't know. Because it uh, uh, can, can someone just evade service and keep on just going and going and going and going? And then this, the, uh, the other issue is at some point it gets to be a criminal matter when you've harassed someone to that point. All right, Julie. Hello, Julie. Hi, Mr. Bill. Yes. I, hi. I live in a townhome complex with about 100 owners and we're not too happy with the HOA. How do we get rid of them? You vote them off. Vote them off. Yep, okay. and there is, I think you can come in uh, on an emergency basis. Well, look at the CC&Rs. Uh, it depends okay. on what they're doing and on what basis you can toss them, and it's all right there in the CC&Rs. And even if you can't, at the next election, and it's every year there's an election, just throw them out. You run. And you argue these guys, these people are horrible. And if you have enough people that were willing to vote to put you in or someone else in and throw them out, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no other way of doing it. And then find out if you can come in on some kind of an emergency vote uh, that, the, that the board has done something or an individual has done something where you can get together with enough of the homeowners, say, okay, we need an emergency meeting, and then throw them out. But, again, it's uh, the HOA that controls. That's always the CCNRs of the HOA. CCNRs of HOA, LSMFT, LBGQT. Yeah. All right. This is Handle on the Law. And Julie Slater in the newsroom. Julie, what's the news? 
traffic is getting worse. And you see it from the air. A freeway's backed up for seven miles. Now it starts to move a little bit and will change a little bit, and a crash will change that. But It'll stay that way till about 10 o'clock in the morning. Although I find that people don't care as much about getting to work on time as they do getting <laughs> home. KFI is fighting back. Jeff Baum, Michael Bryant. When you hear Eye in the Sky, you're listening to KFI. An iHeart Radio station. Ooh, broken. Ooh, broken. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right. Uh, hello, Kevin. Yeah, in November of 2016, my wife, son, and I moved into a uh, uh, rental property. Uh, maybe about a month later, my wife and son started just getting uh, slight allergy reactions. Um, fast forward to January. Uh, right when the rain started getting pretty bad, uh, a leak opened up in our ceiling. And uh, right away, I notified the property manager of the issue. Uh, four or five days later, uh, the leak turned into a hole and basically collapsed in on me when I was standing underneath it. And at that point, I took my son and my wife and we moved into a hotel and was told by the property manager that we would get no support whatsoever, that... Uh, we shouldn't have moved out to begin with, and maybe they, about two or three days and, after and, that. And, and so uh, as far as the hole in the ceiling coming down on your head, did the property manager even say anything about that? Uh, nope. Maybe Just, that's said. it. Okay, right. so what's your question, uh, question Kevin? Uh, about two or three days after that, they sent out the vendor to remediate all the mold, but they didn't seal it. Like, the hole was in one part of the house, but they didn't put up any of the Mylar film that were understood to keep all the spores. And now he won't. uh, I don't want to go into the house. Right. All right. Get any of my property. All right. So what's your question? What's your question? They won't pay for any of the stuff. All right. So they breached. So, Kevin, they breached the contract. All right. You have no lease anymore. You're walking out. You want the money for the hotel. You want your entire uh first and last or whatever security uh, deposit you put in plus any money you put in up to that uh, uh, from that point on when uh, the ceiling came in on your head plus I would argue for moving expenses on top of that uh, at uh, least I would sue for that too correct uh, my uh, all of that I agree with my issue is the property um, I can't my doctors inform me that I shouldn't have any of that around my son because he's developed a hypersensitivity syndrome okay so, so you can't so what your your physical property? Sure, if you get the doctor's note uh, saying this is it, that that's part of your uh, it's part of your lawsuit. Uh, the problem you have is it sounds like it's going to be more than ten thousand dollars. Is that the case? Correct. Yeah. Then, uh, so how much is it total? If you had to add all of it together, your uh, uh, your property, your 15, furniture, at least for how the much? Fifteen thousand. Yeah. So here is the issue. It's one of those betwixt and between issues. Is a lawyer is going to cost you uh, a ton of money? Except. You know what? Look at the lease. There may be prevailing attorney's fees clause in the lease. There probably is, which means that you can get your money back that you spend on a lawyer if you win. I can't imagine you not winning on this one. So you have to decide. Do you just go for the $10,000 and you do it yourself? Do you go for the $15,000 and now they're going to bring in an attorney and you're going to be up against an attorney? And right. 
my my real question is though, like in the interim, like I need to get my stuff out and you know clear out the place. What do I do with that stuff? Because I don't want it and I don't want to keep it. Should yeah, I then you tell them, no, no, you don't have to do anything. It's uh, you can't touch it. It's uh, mold ridden. It's already been uh, infected. Let him deal with it. They you, gave me a seventy-two hour. Right. Uh, so they're going to sue you for storage. You go, hey, it's full of mold. Or the doctor said we shouldn't touch it. Now, uh, and therefore, I can't use it. Enjoy yourself. And then they're going to sue you for picking it up, putting it in a storage, or throwing it away, and that's going to be a suit and countersuit. That's all. Well, no, no, they, they're kicking me out of the place because I'm... I, I get it. I get but that has nothing to do with the furniture. Well, how to, but that's one thing, is that what do I... Why would you go, wait a second, they're kicking you out. Kevin, why would you go back if there's mold? You never would. See, the entire premise is you can't go back. It's part of your damages, Kevin. So, well, no, so why are you bitching about you being kicked out if you can't go back? Well, I want to get – he, the, the property manager is willing to negotiate with me. He's saying that if I pull all my stuff out, he'll basically let me out of the lease and give me the stuff. Don't worry so, about the lease. They've already breached the lease, Kevin. So, so – Well, it's up to you. Is, is there anything you can do with that stuff, Kevin? Or you have of to throw not. it away. Yeah, it's, it's all got to go. Okay, so why bother? Let him deal with it. He's going to sue you anyway. And if he says, "Well, I'll tell you what, you take your stuff, and I will let you out of the lease," which, by the way, I'm I'm arguing there is no lease because they breached it, but that's uh, another issue. I will let you out of the lease. And by the way, you suck up all the hotel bills, and you suck up uh, moving again, which you have to. And has he said anything about the security deposit? Does he plan on, plan on keeping that too? say if I, if I cleaned up and moved everything out, he would give me the deposit back. Well, then the, you have the cost of uh, picking it up and throwing it all into uh, the county dump. And should I document it before I do that? You document everything. You document okay. everything, Kevin. But then you have to figure out money. You know, you've got hassle. You've got lawsuits. You've got money. Right. And you have to move anyway. What's it going to cost you? And then just do two different categories. A and B. What does A cost you? What does B cost you? So you have money, money, and then you put in another category for hassle. What is the bigger hassle? What is it going to do to pick up that stuff and clean it out? And take it to the uh, and and take it to the uh, uh, the county the the fill the county fill the landfill. And then again, uh, here's what I would do. I would go to, for example, Home Depot. You've got a bunch of guys sitting there in the driveway. Just begging for work. You could rent a pickup truck for a couple hundred dollars. You pay them after asking for their papers, making sure they're here legally, and then doing an e-verify. Do you understand? You have, And then making sure you pay the Social Security and you have insurance for these guys. You understand what I'm saying here, Kevin? Of course. Of okay. Course. And so yeah, yeah. what does it take? Three hours? And uh, it all goes in the, in the dump and uh, you're finished. It's just money versus money, Kevin. Okay. All right. 100% so, makes sense. Thank you. Okay. Uh, then it's – now what would I do? Uh, I'd, I'd probably just – okay, you know, let's negotiate. I want my – yeah, and just pay for half, half the hotel and just go in there with uh, with some ammunition, which he has, talking with the landlord. Uh, hello, go, hello, Al. Welcome. How you doing, Bill? Yes, sir. Uh, my situation, I had a uh, judgment lien put on my – on my property 10 years ago, uh, it was illegal. But anyway, the time has expired. The time has expired right now. So Judgment liens, Al. Judgment liens don't expire, Al. Oh, 
Well, judgments, I mean, judgments I mean, expire. They didn't renew it. I'm sorry. They didn't renew it after the ten. No, years. I understand, but you said there's a lien on the property. Yes. Yeah, there's still a lien. It doesn't disappear after after ten years. Let's say someone liens my property based on a judgment, and I wait ten right. years. Does it disappear, and I can sell it, and I don't owe the money anymore? There, okay. there just isn't a, the judgment is gone. Actually, you don't need them. You don't owe the money, but they still have a lien on the property. Okay. So, how, what, what, what do I do? Uh, well, uh, you pay off the lien, I guess, when they when they uh, sell the property. It's not a question of waiting ten years and you don't have to worry about it anymore, especially when they when they've leaned the property. As I said, yeah, the whole thing, Bill. It was everything was uh, it was a stolen identity and it was put on there and you illegal. didn't it, right and you didn't fight it at that point as soon as you found out that it was put on illegally. Yeah, it was already too late. It was about four or five years. Yeah, but well, you can still fight. You can out. still fight it. It's fraudulent. You can't just ignore it, which you did. Uh, so the, the quick answer to uh, your question is I really don't know. Does that help you? And here's what I would do. If, uh, I were, if I were you, I would have called me. And then what I would have said to me is I really don't know the answer. You're going to have to go someplace else. Which means that both of us, Al, have to go someplace else to find the answer. This is Handle on the Law. In the KFI Newsroom. Hey, everybody. Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer here. Two-thirds of Americans admit to having peed in the pool. The other third of Americans are liars. Let's talk about the pool you have or the pool you want this Sunday on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handel on the Law. Hello, Martin. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, I was involved in an accident. You know, my thing is that uh, I was accused of running a red light. Uh, the problem here is that uh, I have brought evidence uh, pretty much to make to prove that uh I had the right of way. And huh, what kind and what, Martin? What kind of evidence? Uh, photographs. How do you photograph whether you blew a red light or not? We don't. My, All right. So, is, so what? What? So what kind of what kind of evidence the, do you have? Well, all I have is uh, pretty much I'm trying to uh, match it to what the Highway Patrol wrote on his report because well, I ended up in the ambulance. Yeah, no, but hold team. on. Let me let me before we get to there. Uh, the highway patrol, what did they say? Did it say you blew through a red light? Is what the... Yeah. Okay, so you have evidence that you didn't. Well, yeah, pretty much. Okay, enough. what evidence... Let's go back to the same question. What evidence do you have that you did not blow through the red light? The drawings and uh, the area where the car well, was uh, hit. What, Martin, uh, you just, what drawing? The ones the police uh, drew up? They drew some up. I drew some up myself. Okay, and, so you have your drawings that prove what happened, and that's your evidence, your drawings. Yeah, and that's photographs not, Martin, of the damage on the car. Okay, yeah. that is that. But that, you see, here's the problem: damage on the car doesn't prove who blew through the red light or not. Yeah. So uh, let me make it real easy for you. You have no evidence. Okay. You you drawing what happened uh, that is totally self serving, Martin. 
Now, no, I understand that. Now, the good news for you is that the cop saying you blew through the red light is also not evidence because he yeah. wasn't because he wasn't there. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that is not evidence. So at this point, there is no evidence, one way or the other. Do you get that? Yeah, I understand that. Okay, so now, uh, at this point, no evidence, one way or the other. You said you didn't. They said you did, and you ended up in an ambulance. Were you ba- Were you hurt? Yeah, my my back went out on me. Ooh. My chest was smashed against the steering oh. wheel. Okay, all right, so uh, you got banged up pretty good. All right, so what's your question, Martin? Well, the insurance company on the other people that I gave them photographs and everything, and uh, they pretty much... Uh, well, this is what they told me yesterday on the phone. They said uh, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna pay for the the damage on the other guy's vehicle because uh, they they noticed that that uh, that something was wrong there. What they, is something? They, they, what does that mean? Have, something they, something was wrong there. I don't understand yeah, that. Well, they have reason to believe that I was telling the truth that it was okay. All right, fair enough. All right, so far so good. And and Daniel said, uh, uh, my thing right now is that. They're they're saying well I haven't even talked to the other insurance company but my thing is that uh they're they're making it sound like you know they're not they're not gonna pay for your damage and we're not gonna pay for their damage okay uh, I don't, they're saying fault. they're not paying for any damage yeah all right so they denied your claim they said uh, that it's your fault effectively yeah and okay. my, my insurance company denied their claim okay that's fair I get it so now here's what's going to end up happening you're both going to be at fault. And your insurance company is going to pay for your damage, and the other guy's insurance company is going to pay for their damage, and you're going to end up, uh, both of you, probably with an at-fault accident on your record. Okay. And uh, you have medical insurance, I'm assuming, through the, uh, yeah, you probably, well, let me ask you this. Do you have medical insurance through your auto policy? Uh, Or do you just have liability? Yeah, I had liability. That's all? Do you have medical insurance uh, or underinsured insurance? Well, it would be medical insurance. Do you have yeah, that well, in your policy? Yeah, yeah, well, I've got Medi-Cal also. No, I don't care about Medi-Cal. I'm talking about, uh, do you have a comprehensive auto policy? Uh, or is it just liability? Just liability. All right, but then you have Medi-Cal, so you'll have your medical taken care of. Your Probably your car will end up being paid for. And you will get uh, no money for uh, the pain and suffering. And that's just the way it goes. Does that answer oh. your question? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, excellent. We finally figured that one out. Liability insurance. He blew through a red light. It wasn't his fault. He has the proof that it wasn't his fault because he drew it up. Okay, that works, doesn't it? Hello, Ashley. Yes. Um, so I'm one of three beneficiaries. A friend of mine died. And one of the other beneficiaries are um, is also the trustee, and there's about two hundred thousand dollars or more at stake. Um, does that benefit? Does the trustee have to let me know? Oh yes. Um, when things are being sold. Oh yes. I feel like they're being really shady and selling okay. things. Okay. Uh, yes, the trustee. Well, theoretically not, but it, uh, when they don't let you know, Ashley, there's always something wrong, right. because the trustee under the trust may have the ability to sell or buy or do whatever the trustee wants to do. Okay. For, for example, I have a trust in which I have a trustee who's my partner on behalf of my kids. She can do any damn thing she wants. She has full power to sell, to not sell, uh, to give my kids money up to a certain amount. 
But that's okay. because I trust her. She is a trustee. So right. uh, now if, uh, let's say, one of my daughters thought there was something wrong, then uh-huh. then she can go ahead and file a lawsuit. So actually what I would do is, is uh, ask the trustee, I'd really like to know what's going on with the trust, or I'm going to get a lawyer. Okay. Uh, okay. And and see what happens and uh, see if that goes. And then if if the trustee tells you to go blow uh, to go pound sand, or blow <laughs> it out your will. or blow it out your nose, then uh, you you get a lawyer letter, and okay. th- that's what you have to do. I mean, you have no choice. And you join up right. with the other you join up with the other beneficiary. Well, the other beneficiary and him are husband and wife. Oh, that's and a problem. Really that's a, okay. No, I get it. I get it. And they may be screwing you, for all I know. Yep, yep. I feel like all they are. All right. Lawyer letter. Lawyer. Uh, definitely trust an estate lawyer is what you want to get. We have them on the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and just make it happen. And you're still going to get screwed, of course. You know, just to let you know. Uh, when the trustee hates you, the trustee hates you. The other thing is you get to hire a lawyer and you get to pay for the other side's lawyer because it comes out of the estate. It comes out of the trust. So you pay for your lawyer, and since there are three beneficiaries, you get to pay a third out of your uh, out of uh, the assets of the trust. So you get to pay for suing yourself. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.